Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. No, no need to adjust your sets. Uh, those people watching live on YouTube, just hang where you're at. It'll be about 30 minutes before we get to get on video. But we're streaming live right here on Global Star Radio Network. Thank you, Global Star. We're also streaming live on BTR. And uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Now, you know, it's interesting because what do we have? We have key Republican senators coming out against the Senate Republican health care plan today. And their opposition, it appears that it would be enough to defeat the package before a vote. Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, and Ron Johnson. They all said they're not going to vote on the Republican, uh, Senate Republican plan in its current form. Here's, here's what's going on, and you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman report. Here's what's going on, folks, with, with respect to this. There is a move right now. The, uh, Freedom Caucus people, the, the people who really want to in my view, anyway, to keep the republic whole, to save our country, to maintain our country. They are fighting against anything that could lead, will lead to a single-payer system, and rightfully so. A single-payer system will be the final nail in the coffin of this country. We're, we are so close to that right now. This, this Senate health care bill, if you look at the and I don't know how many people have even looked at the bill. First of all, oh man, I mean, it, it's complicated. I, I'll just say this: it's complicated to the extent that um, they're, they're calling cuts, decreases in the increases. That's how they define cuts. And there's there's a lot wrong with this. Now. What we need to do, in my view, anyway, and I think that uh, this is, uh, I was talking with some people, uh, in talk radio across the, across the board here. We need to repeal Obamacare, period. Get the government the hell out of, um, running, get the government, get, get them out of running ins- our insurance. And I've seen the arguments on both sides. I've seen the arguments from the progressives saying, well, it's the profiteering from the insurance companies. Oh, come on. Come on, where that's part of it. I mean, a little bit. Yes, yes, but more more so under Obamacare than even before. There you go. Yes, and that's a good point. If you read the bill, and I I did not have chance the chance to read the entire the entirety of the bill, obviously. Uh, but that was unveiled early today, earlier today. Uh, but from everything I've been able to skim through, and I've got to print this out. It's just you know it's going to be a ream of paper. Um. But it's, uh, I shouldn't say Reem, it's a 142 page draft, um, of the repeal and replace health care plan titled Better Care Reconciliation Act of 2017. This does eliminate a majority of Obamacare provisions and the Senate, uh, Republicans are having a conniption fit, you know, over this, of course, and, you know, the heads are exploding across the progressive t- television. But, 
Um, the it's interesting because uh, the the senators that were interviewed across the media spectrum today all said, "Oh, we can we can have something up next week, but by next week." Uh, what did uh, who who was interviewed that said it's not like a fine wine; it doesn't get better with age? Uh, was that uh, McConnell? Maybe I, I'm not sure, but the bottom line is it, it just uh, it, it, this whole thing is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It is a horrible idea to stay in the insurance business. Chuck Schumer, of course, uh, he took personal offense to this health care bill. Uh, Millions will be uninsured. Yeah. People will die. It's mean. It's mean, I tell you. Yeah, okay. All right. What, what, what did any of us ever do before Obamacare? Really? How did, were there even hospitals before Obamacare? Insurance well, companies? I mean, did healthcare... Was the healthcare in this country birthed when Obamacare came on scene? That's what these people act like. Hey, you've got to pass it to really know what's in it. You, you can't see. Then that's the other part of it too. This Obamacare, which the affordable. It's interesting. The people don't like. People on the left don't like. Uh, don't like the use of the phrase Obamacare. It's the Affordable Care Act. Well, yeah. Now Obama owns this, and and I. Boy, if the if if the conservative or the Republican Senate owns this, shame on them. And again, this this is going to lead to the, the, the entire. And, and folks, please understand this: the entire goal here is for a single payer system, and that is for a full social socialistic uh, mm-hmm. uh, run of our economy. And we're done. We're done as a, as a constitutional republic. Well, look in California; they're trying to do this. They estimated on the on the lower side, the cost would be. Upwards of four hundred billion dollars a year. They don't even have enough money to pay for half of it, yet they're still trying to push it through. It's craziness. And and like you, I haven't read through this this healthcare no, bill. Have, yeah. Um and I expected and the comments from links. Schumer and Obama. I don't know if you even saw Obama today. Um I tried not to. He, I was, uh, uh, he made a comment on it. I'll I'll find where that uh I yeah. think that was on the Washington Free Beacon. They um they wrote an article about it. But he came out and was saying the same things like Schumer was saying. And uh, I think uh, Rand Paul, uh, there's a story on the front of Drudge. I, I was okay with Rand Paul today. I, he came out swinging. I, and I like I like that. You know, I'm more of a political atheist myself as well. All right? I'm a conservative. But... Um, but anyway, Rand Paul, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty okay with what he was saying today. Uh, that... It's just this whole thing doesn't go far enough. Just repeal the whole damn thing and and get out of the right. business of health care. That's where you got to start is by repealing Obamacare. And, you know, this is one of the big criticisms that many of the, the, the voters have against the Republicans who are in power. As you said, all they have to do is write one sentence down and pass it, the repeal of Obamacare, yeah. and then start from there. But the uh, former president, Barack Obama, ripped into the newly released Senate Republican Obamacare replacement plan in a Facebook post today saying the legislation is not a health care bill and it's fundamental meanness. It contains fundamental mean. meanness. Mean. This yeah. is our former president. Fundamental meanness. It's mean. Also, uh, yeah. one of the interesting points about this, this bill, um, it will defund Planned Parenthood for a year. Obviously, that's not enough. But it would be well, a start. And did goodness, you know did that you Planned Parenthood gave $700,000 to the Joel Ossoff's campaign in Georgia? What are these people doing taking taxpayer money and giving it to political campaigns? 
Oh, the, does that mean we have to we have to tell them that we got fifty thousand dollars for operational costs from Planned Parenthood? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, to me, to me, that's never got fifty thousand dollars in our life. What do you yeah. mean? Well, okay, but it's no, it, that, that's absurd to me. Where where they would be donating that much to a to a campaign? But uh, I saw that, and and it's it's sickening, um, for sure. But, but uh, folks, this is big news. I mean, this is. This is what people need to be paying attention of uh, at uh, now is the health care reform, and it should be health care repeal. Repeal the whole doggone thing. You're right, Joe. One sentence would do it. Dismantle the Obama legacy. Make it so that the legacy just is wiped out. Um, and, and not only wiped out, but prosecute him. Prosecute him. Prosecute Hillary. Prosecute everyone else that needs prosecuted which is the entirety of the people inside the beltway in my view anyway i just just throw them all in the, in the back of a uh uh paddy wagon take them take them away you can tell my age right joe's gonna be saying what's a paddy wagon yeah uh remember those old never mind but i know what take a paddy wagon is all right take them away and, and now trump also and heads are exploding over this i did not record ex fbi chief comey well okay these are the headlines. Yeah, I didn't pay much attention to that. You got to look. Matter. Well, it does matter because, uh, to me, anyway, because when you look at, he never at, said he taped them though. To begin with, he said you better hope there aren't tapes of our conversation. Exactly, and then you have to look at what he stated coming out of the box, and it, the the I, I'm getting. I, I was never comfortable with the phrase "fake news." I'm getting okay with. Uh, Calling the the way the headlines are structured and the way the stories are written fake news in the mainstream media because it's misrepresenting what Donald Trump said and it's misrepresenting what Donald Trump sent via Twitter and his it's so but 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 this is but see I believe that to me in this case when you, when you can see the end result today where Donald Trump essentially says that President Trump essentially says there's uh, that he did not record Comey. That's the gist of it. When you consider the testimony by Comey, and, and I'm sure he was sitting there during the, the hearings as his, as his lips were moving and his brain was engaged, I'm sure he was thinking in the back of his mind, did, are there, are there recordings of me? Oh, yeah. If you remember his testimony, he would wake up in the middle of the night. Yes. Sweating, worried, fearful. That there was, you know, something else going on that there could possibly be recordings. See, uh, see, my I question have would a be: problem, though, it, Did with that, that with me? Did that change? Did that change exactly. testimony? Exactly. Did that keep him from embellishing or or exaggerating? Uh, well, did well, it have any effect? I guess is a question. And if I think it did, the timing of this, the release of this. Why did Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, wait until today to say that as, as opposed to why didn't he say that? Why did he say it to begin with, and then why didn't he say that before the hearings? Now that hearings are Comey, with respect to him, now that they're basically over, uh, I think he, I think he played Comey, I big time. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Um, it, but see, I, I somebody could stick a recorder in my office in the studios and play it anywhere in in, in a hearing in a criminal, and I, seriously, I would not. It would not affect what I would testify to. Right. You you would it would be boring number one. You'd understand that I'm boring. <laughs> yeah, that I, uh, it might be more uh, hilarious right? than than you'd think, but not in the in the ways that people might think. 
What's that noise? Oh, yeah, that's just that's just Doug throwing the throwing the, uh, the pencil container across yeah, the office. It'd be entertaining to say that. But but it, it certainly would not reflect any type of criminality. And I and I wouldn't stay up nights sweating out. Well, geez, did, you know, did I say this or did I say that? So there is always that with respect to Comey, and I do believe that um, it, even at that level, and, and some might say, well, when you're at that level, at that at that position as the head of the FBI. Um, no, it, it still doesn't make sense to me. So I, I think that President Donald Trump really, really, really did a, a number on Comey. All right. So th- those are the headlines. I mean, those are a couple of issues that we need to really kind of keep our, our eyes on. And uh, the, uh, uh, the Watch American Thinker, Peter Choka, writing some great articles, by the way. He's a great author, great investigative journalist. I haven't had time. I feel bad. I have not had time to talk with him off air. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, I've just been really wrapped up. I was on, was that, was that last night I was on yes. the coast? Yes, it was. Right? I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was, was it like, it was last night. Okay. Yeah, I was on coast to coast AM last night. I don't know. It was, so that was like 18 hours ago, right? Yes. <sighs> wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, about the, um, uh, what was that? Oh, we were talking about the Flint, Michigan case, uh, the, the police officer in Flint, Michigan. Yeah, the there's a, a headline today, FBI, no wider plot suspected in Michigan airport stabbing. Um, apparently they, they're saying that this was a, a, uh, the, the man from Tunisia who was a Canadian citizen who shouted Allah Akbar before stabbing the officer in the neck. Um, it was a, a sole attack, a lone wolf attack. At this time we view him as a lone wolf attacker. We have no information to suggest any training, they said. Um, well, here's here's my question. I, I I do know that he came in through Lake Champlain, New York, and we've been up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it is, and and there's just really one entryway or one checkpoint up there. Um, the 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 question I have, and I had talked to. Okay, I guess it was yesterday because I had talked to a federal source who said they're. They're, uh, they are looking at where he was. He came in on the 16th of June. So that was a full five days before he actually committed the crime. And, uh, committed, there are a number of questions. Number one, why Flint, Michigan Airport? Alright. Why there? Of all the places, when you come in through Lake Champlain, why there? That's number one. Number two, what did he do and who was he supported by? Who did, who was he associated with during the five days prior to his um, his attempted uh, murder at the airport. Also, uh, the uh, I, I do have an authority that that there there have been arrests or at least detentions in Montreal, where he's from. And um, uh, but by, by the way, Bob Maggie, let me back up and thank you, uh, thank you, Bob Maggie. I, I didn't have this in front of me, and I, I really appreciate you sending this to me. Um. Let me grab this. President Donald Trump did not say he did not, or okay. President Donald Trump did not say that there were no recordings. He simply said he did not record Comey uh, in the story. Which again, the you've got to understand the um, uh, the wording 
and I think there there's a lot of semantics and board games being played. Okay, so getting back to the Flint, Michigan case, and thank you, Bob and Maggie. Getting back to the Flint, Michigan case, the uh, um, there are a couple of detentions, is my understanding, um, outside of the family of this man um, up in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Now, the and there's an ongoing investigation here in the states. And he was arrested for violence in the municipal airport. I think it's 18 U.S.C. 34. I'm not exactly sure of the statute. But uh, more charges will be will be filed, according to my federal source. And uh, they, they will probably be either on the state level or concurrent with the uh, state level, concurrent with the federal charges or federal charges. But they will be more severe. So the information we have is that he acted alone that doesn't mean he was didn't have help or didn't have some sort of uh guidance or uh support system mechanism in this in this country but in terms of plans being found that perhaps you know he might go off and or his compatriots might uh there might be a water plot in existence nothing was found to suggest that just so you know now this is the end of ramadan and of course uh we all have to be careful. Watch this time when it comes to Islam, the Islamic terrorists because this is the time that historically they have done things to. Uh, well, yeah, we still have a few days left in Ramadan. and uh, I watched a Paul Joseph Watson video today. It's pretty good, the latest one from today. But he goes over the statistics of uh, what has happened through this last Ramadan, and I think the uh, he said that if you listed each terror attack individually, it would fill five pages just for the last 27 days, over 1,300 dead worldwide during Islamic terrorist attacks during Ramadan this year. Right. I don't know how that stacks up to other years. Either way, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, regardless, yeah, it is ridiculous indeed. And don't don't forget, if you're joining us late, we will have video here at the bottom of the hour. or very close to that, so just... Hang, hang loose. Except if you're listening on Global Star BTR, then you're not going to have video. But if you're watching us live on YouTube, and if you're watching us live on YouTube or listening to this either way, do us a favor. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on social networking as well. It does help to raise our visibility as we attempt to get the truth out there. Um, but we started out talking about the health care bill. We went through uh, a number of other things, the uh, uh, recordings, and I think the punking of James Comey. Uh, the testimony, and I think that this is important too, and I'm going to mention this. And the testimony of Jay Johnson yesterday from the Department of Homeland Security. Yep. Okay. That, we'll that's this on Hagman Report. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, on Hagman Report. Um, we're going to talk among ourselves here for a second. I, okay, there we go. All right. But yeah, um, uh, that's a very important testimony, I believe. Yeah, and folks, go to HagmanReport.com. And you can see uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the interview, uh, her accusing Jay Johnson of lying, and it's a it's a pretty pretty interesting um, piece there, and I'm going to pull it up right now. But it, it goes into his testimony about the DNC and the hacking of the DNC, and them not turning over the information or the computer servers to the FBI. Uh, she went on to say that. Uh, Johnson was was flat out lying. Not even that he's you know misspeaking or or misrepresenting himself or forgetting the details. She goes right to well he is uh, absolutely lying. So Johnson said during the testimony, uh, 
on Wednesday in front of the House Intelligence Committee that the DNC refused DHS's help with the Russian hacking and opted not, not to turn over their hacked servers. In an interview today on CNN, Wasserman Schultz accused them of being misinformed and said the DNC was never even made aware that their network had been compromised. He's wrong in every respect, Crowds, Schultz said. This, okay. At no point during my tenure at the DNC oh, was I contacted by the FBI, DHS, or any other government agency or alerted or made aware that they believe the Russians and enemy state right. was intruding on our network. And there's much more. This if you from, watch the video. okay, that was the statement from Jay Johnson. Correct? Or, that, that was Debbie Washington. That, okay. In response to Johnson in saying right, okay, that the, DH, the, the DHS offered help with the hacking but the DNC decided not to turn over their servers to the DHS or the FBI. And Wasserman Schultz threw Jay Johnson under the bus saying, no, that, that's not the way it happened. Right. He, but, he's but wrong Comey, in every respect, she said. But Comey, Comey testified. Comey made the statement yep. that he, had he known the extent, he would have you know, beat down the door to something of that effect. This, okay, and the crowd strike... Uh, the private security concern for the DNC is at the epicenter of all of this, as well as Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You've got to wonder what's on those servers. Jeez, yeah. let's wonder. Let's wonder what's on those servers that Wasserman Schultz and others don't want other people to know. Well, who would possibly could have known that? Maybe some, maybe an IT guy that or IT person that worked for the uh, uh, DNC. Who do we know? Any names come is to mind? Maybe Seth said? Rich. The Sarnet oh, brothers, Seth Rich, and and the Awan brothers, the Awan brothers, sure. But gee whiz, I mean, if you look, so at, let's it, take this to a natural conclusion. This goes without saying, but James Comey, if you review the testimony, if you go back to uh, his announcement about basically clearing Hillary Clinton of any wrongdoing, his testimony about Huma Abedin, and then his his most recent testimony after his firing. He was too busy making excuses and defending Hillary Clinton, Huma Abedin, defending the the criminal use of, of classified information, justifying it away. Well, these people never really saw it. She didn't know what she was doing. There was no intent. They didn't read it. He was too busy giving Hillary Clinton legal excuses rather than actually worrying about what was on the server. He probably was told, don't worry about it, you know, it's under control. And he took his orders like a good boy and went on to defend them when they were clearly guilty of so so much. But and, and, yeah. It's it's so frustrating. And, and don't forget, you've got uh you've got the crowd strikes Russian hacks, okay? Uh and then you've got the leaks, two different things. And, and they're different uh there are different timelines. Now, one thing I will say, Lee Stranahan, who uh, was at one point working for Breitbart, regardless of what you think of Stranahan, I, I, it doesn't matter, uh, he did mention, he did put together something, and I think he had just had a, posted a video to this effect as well. He mentioned the Russian hacks, uh, Ukrainian military debacle plus Comey's cleanup. This was a... a, a article that he wrote back in March, I believe it was. The, um, the it, it was December 2016, CrowdStrike published a report on Ukrainian artillery hacking. And Stranahan does a good job of, of kind of connecting some dots between you, 
between the Ukrainian uh, at that time president uh, and the Russia or the the, the so-called Russian hacking election hacking that is still overwhelming in the news cycle today, crowd strike in the DNC, and then of course you bring in Comey and then now Jay Johnson and Wasserman Schultz, and you've got this big uh, circle circular firing squad. Um, at one another. So th- this th- this is obviously a narrative that that show this is a narrative that cannot survive really any kind of end up scrutiny. And somebody's going to have to go to jail over this. That's just my personal yeah, view. That'd be nice. Yeah, but that will uh, ever see that. But this does involve U- Ukraine as well. Uh, there's there's just so much to this. Uh, Again, if you're interested, you can get more from Lisa Renahan. Again, regardless of what you think of the guy, um, the investigative work product on this is pretty is pretty solid uh, through, well, actually through today. And it's something that's not getting a lot of, really a lot of play, or it hasn't gotten a lot of play. So um, the, and, and but it's clear that, that it's absolutely 100% clear. And I don't know how many people, how many times people have to say this. There was absolutely no, nothing happened that changed any election results in 2016 by any Russian hacking. Did I say that correctly, properly? I mean, is that, how, how is it? I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. There, there's nothing that was done that affected the outcome of the 2016 presidential election the run-up to this election, the primaries, or the various parties whatsoever by any outside country, including but not limited to Russia. Well, that doesn't matter. Don't let facts get in the way of, of the truth. I don't know if how many people saw this on Drudge today. The Federal Elections Commission, uh, one of the Democrats there, wants to widen the Russia probe to Facebook, drug, Drudge, and foreign companies to expand the federal government's probe into alleged Russian interference on internet sites that take political ads like Facebook or Drudge Report. Many say the FCC that this is an unprecedented role and some say this oversteps its authority. Well, it absolutely does. Uh, folks, we are up against a break. When we come back, we are going to be joined by Inspector Bill Miker. He was on uh, maybe about a month, six weeks ago. We're going to be getting into a number of, of things, looking at uh, some current events and, and other things uh, like money laundering. And he's gonna, this is gonna be part two of, of what we started, uh, six weeks ago. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of end-times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. 
extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Wink Reviews boldly states, fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. When we're not on camera, that is. So, and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. There we are. There we are on video. See, told you, told you we'd be back up. Thank you, Eric, the tech, for for uh, uh, working so hard to bring us up and to keep us up. I Just wouldn't a, leave you hanging. Anyway, Come on. See, now he's mic'd up. See, not now he's got a voice. Well, I'm gonna talk all night. Okay. Well, w- hey, bring us in, brother. Come on. <laughs> No, it, it, it's, uh, it's good to be with each and every one of you. Thanks for your belief and your trust, and trust in, uh, in us as we take a look at, we delve deep into certain, on, on certain days we get deep into subjects. And this is one of those days we had Inspector, uh, Miker on, Inspector Bill Miker on, uh, as Joe said about a month or six weeks ago. And I'm going to kick it to you, Joe, just because I can. How's yeah, that? we, we had, uh, um, Inspector Bill Micron, uh, again, maybe six weeks ago, we were talking about a number of, of things pertaining to his investigations into uh, criminal organizations, whether it be, um, you know, uh, drug running, drug trafficking, uh, any other criminal organizations that involved money laundering, even to, to banks and, and governments. And he, he talked about his investigations and, and some of the, the roadblocks he run into and and some of the problems with how the the authorities go about investigating um, these financial crimes. Uh, Mr. Bill Miker, welcome back to the show. Good to have you. 
Thanks for having me back. Boy, you look like an inspector. You, you do. I mean, look look at that, folks. If, if you're watching on YouTube, take a look at that. Uh, a dapper man, indeed. I, I I know it would be a bad day if you came into my office flashing credentials and saying I need to talk to you. I know that would be a bad day. I'm uh, I'm kidding, of course. You know, I remember the old joke. You know, it's going to be a bad day when the 60 Minutes crew you, you <laughs> go to your office and see a 60. Never mind. Inspector Bill Michael Micah is on with us. Uh, let's start about the professional kleptocracy that rules the world. I mean, what are we looking at here in the bigger sense? We're looking at money. You just as an inspector, you follow the money, and it's all about the money, isn't it? A- absolutely. You know, people can throw all sorts of window dressing on everything, but invariably, uh, the people who make the decisions, uh, they, the money and the power will come back to them. So endpoint to endpoint, there are endpoints to everything. It's a matter of, of getting to that stage. And as I, as I had said last time uh, on your program, I, I believe, just to rephrase a bit, the, the, the world's really uh, broken down into three categories of people, at least based on my experience. And, and again, they include the 0.1% who probably control 80% of the world's wealth and power and influence, maybe more. Then there's the 1% of the professional class, which is the lawyers, the accountants, the bankers, the corporate uh, investigators, the risk people, people like you and I, you know, we, we, we service those people and we make a good living and we want to stay in that 1%, which has a big range in it. And then you already have the rest of humanity, which is about, uh, you know, 90, 98.9% who, who are just, who are just out there and, and they are cannon fodder for the 1% and the 0.1%. You know, I, I, I you know, to get a, not to get off the topic too much, but, you know, I I use critical thinking in, in what I do. You know, that's why I'm alive today, and that's why I've had the success I've had, uh, at least in, in dealing with uh, getting evidence on bad guys and, and getting inside their organizations. And, you know, again, I, I look at why, why does uh, some of these uber-wealthy people, this 0.1%, why are they so aggressively demanding the legalization of, of drugs? You know, drugs aren't dangerous because they're illegal. They're illegal because they're dangerous. So what would motivate somebody like a, a George Soros, who's, who's very much an advocate for uh, the, the decriminalization of, of all drugs? Listen, if I'm on the top of my 70th floor penthouse, you think that I want all that massive humanity down there uh, paying attention to what I'm doing up here and living the high life while they're down there on the street looking for, for cigarette butts? No, I'm quite happy to keep you focused on your simple little needs so I'm allowed to, to move unfettered to do what I do, which is to create more wealth and power for myself. That is the world today. It absolutely is. And, you know, whether, whether it's money or, or whatever it is, these people, uh, the money is just one aspect of the control. It's, it's a mechanism that they use to control things. But you're right, the, the, peop, the uh, elite at the top and, and whether it's through our political parties, um, we've seen this divide and conquer strategy, and they've done a, they've been genius at their ability to, uh, I guess the best way to say it is make people angry at each other while they are able to continue to continue to function and, and siphon the wealth out. If the people would focus their anger at those, uh, if we would come together and put all the other differences, political, economic, uh, class differences aside, and worked 
to to bring them uh, to justice, it, things would go much smoother. But they actually work and, and they do their best work at, at uh, dividing us, so that never happens. Well, you know, I, again, just all my own observations. I I I believe that you know human beings haven't changed uh, in terms of their of their core characteristics. You know, everybody gets sad, happy, jealous, ego, all of those things. And and typically in my undercover career, I always focused on what on what they call agents of influence. And and I focused on three. Three was always what I had to to look at. And I'm looking for when I'm meeting a target. Is it ego? Is it power? Or is it greed? Which one of those agents of influence do I need to facilitate uh, or project to you, the target, that that satisfies one of those uh, three criteria. And that was the secret of my success when I had to do what's called a cold approach into the targets. Now, obviously, I had some some background, uh, uh, you know, surveillance, uh, psychological profiles sometimes on people. So you, you, you had a little bit of uh, preemptive knowledge of how to, to deal with them. But it still came down to those three basic uh, triggers of influence. And I think one of the fallacies in the world... And, and, it, and it's totally taken root in the United States and in Canada in our Western democracies. Listen, everybody uh, is on this planet deserves equal opportunity. No question about that. The problem is not all human beings are created equal. Some are smarter, some are taller, some are stronger, some are you know thinner. We have too many characteristics, and we're trying to to create this uh, one basket can fit all. And it's creating disasters everywhere. Bad guys take advantage of that. They are not, you know, bad guys are probably the, in my experience, a lot of them are chauvinistic, uh, misogynistic. Uh, as a, as a policeman, I can tell you that probably 95% of the people I arrested, uh, were men, were male. The, in dealing with, uh, cartels, dealing with, with terrorist type, uh, individuals, I was always dealing with men. And yet we're trying to create this, this notion that uh, the guys who or the people that are are combating all this um, can come from everybody. Hey, you want to be a policeman? God bless you. Even though you're, you're you don't have the skill set, we don't want to be accused of uh, not giving you the opportunity to live your dream. The only problem with that is who pays the price when somebody's living their dream but are utterly incompetent. Well, that's well said, and and many people don't really. It's gone too far in the PC realm, and to the expense and to the detriment of of everyone else. Very well said. Um, all right, you, you set the stage pretty well. Let's get into some, if you don't mind. Let's let's get into some specifics now. We, we can, I'd like to address the international work, or and, and we can go anywhere that you start anywhere where you like. But should we start? Let's say at the larger international war uh, crimes tribunal. With respect to, uh, uh, well, can we start there, or, or would you prefer to start sure. somewhere else? Sure. I mean, we we tend to think that the the problems in our our world are unique to our own countries, you know, and 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 it's not. It, it again, human beings uh, tend to have uh, the same sort of uh, strengths and weaknesses uh, everywhere, and and you know, I, I actually had had dealings, you know, after this. At the end of the Second World War, Adolf Hitler was the greatest uh, war criminal in Europe. It took several decades before somebody else by the name of uh, uh, Milosevic uh, in the Balkans 
was identified as the most heinous European-based war criminal because of his atrocities and the things that he did. Going back, as you recall, once that Balkan conflict came to a cessation, Milosevic disappeared. And the war crimes tribunal out of The Hague came together to say, this man's a war criminal. We need to deal with him. He's the most evil guy since Hitler in Europe. As it happened, I was brought in because one of Milosevic's three main money launderers had been recruited by somebody I'd worked with. But he wasn't a money laundering guy, so I was brought in to debrief this individual. Sorry, I'm just going to water my mouth. Go ahead. So I won't say where I met him at. So I go in and I remember very vividly where we met and shake hands. And the first thing he says to me is, what is your religion? I said, well, I'm Roman Catholic. He says, you are my enemy. And I started laughing. I said, well, I'm not your enemy. But he says, I am orthodox. Where I come from, you'd be my enemy. And anyways, he went on then to describe how they had laundered about $800 million for Milosevic, which funded the war effort, paid for the soldiers, paid for weapons, and started telling us that there was two other guys. And one of the three, we knew that Milosevic was sending out hit squads to locate these three guys because they had all the evidence on his war crimes and how he funded it, et cetera. So one of the three had been found killed. So this guy is what motivated him to come into our people. And the third guy, who was really the brains of it, is a Russian Jew named Petrovsky. And he was the main brains. And he disappeared into South America. I know where, but I just don't want to say right now. And so this fellow was telling us about how, from their point of view, a lot of what was happening in the Balkans was a proxy war. They were getting support from Israel. A lot of the Islamic funding was coming out of Syria, primarily a lot of drugs from the Beka Valley. And to a large extent, they were fighting the dirty war, as bad as it was in the Balkans, in South Africa. A lot of things took place there. So he was getting granular, giving us the details, spoke about how they were laundering their money through Italian companies, some well-known Italian companies, to facilitate the money payments. And so we're taking all this. And I always remember, again, an aside, the fellow said, look, I also took $6 million, which is sort of my money now. And he looked at me straight in the eye. He says, I help you, but if I lose my money, I kill you. You understand? Okay. So I just, you know, what do you say? I just started laughing. I said, don't worry. I'm not interested in your money. I'm interested in getting evidence so we can convict, you know, this war criminal. And so we notify the War Crimes Tribunal in Europe, dealing with the assigned investigator to this. I said, listen, we know we've got two of the three. We've got one with us now, and we know where the other one is. We're prepared to fly down to meet with him. He's agreed that he would meet with us. And 
So we said, look, do you have questions that you want answered? And they said, no, you can't go down. You know, we have to go down. I have to go down. And this war crimes investigator, by coincidence, was Italian. I don't know if that had anything to do with how they laundered their money through a lot of Italian corporations. But they refused to cooperate with us. They refused to say, okay, we give you our blessing to go down. We're not even going to give you questions. If we can't interview them, nobody is. And at that point, you know, even our own bosses in Ottawa, they said, well, if they don't want them, why are we spending our money for you guys to go down there to interview this? So, again, the whole world goes in funny places. And then yet, you know, the governments spend how many millions of dollars for once Milosevic is caught for all his legal team. They always have money for the lawyers, but they don't have the money for the people who are finding out the real truth of things. And, you know, it reminds me. By the way, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think that's an important point that people need to kind of keep in the back of their heads. And we're talking about the larger picture here. Go ahead, sir. Absolutely. It goes back to what I keep saying earlier. It's about critical thinking. You know, connect the dots. Just because somebody says something or just because a position is expounded, there's usually something underneath that. And, you know, Voltaire, you know, 400 years ago, you know, 300, 400 years ago, Voltaire, the French writer, you know, I love this quote. He says, if you want to know who controls you, look at who you are not allowed to criticize. And just think of that. 400 years ago, he was recognizing the power of certain individuals and institutions to protect themselves. And you look across your own lives here. In the last 20, 30 years, who are people most worried about criticizing in the United States? You know, they're not worried about criticizing criminals. Right. But you get to certain, you know, certain levels of power and influence. And, you know, back in 2000 or 2001, I audited the FBI undercover program on behalf of the Canadian program, just, you know, get best practices and see how the difference and what we can learn. So, you know, the FBI are terrific to me. I get nothing but praise for how I was personally treated. But I learned something that I've never forgotten when I did that audit. And that was this. Up until 1971, the FBI never had an undercover program. And as a result of the weathermen, you know, against the Vietnam War blowing things up, the FBI for the first time formed the beginning of their undercover program. So that was in 1971. Inspector, let me just really drive this point home. So until 1971, until the advent of the or infiltration of the weather underground, you're saying that the FBI never had undercover agents, never had, never insinuated undercover agents in any operation? I don't know. They might have done things, you know, individually. But as a program, the program didn't begin until 1971. Part of the reason is J. Edgar Hoover found it distasteful, you know, kind of that old school way of policing or trickery or whatever the notion might have been. But he himself was not a huge proponent through much of his tenure. And, again, strength of personality can affect things. But here's what happens. And I don't know why people don't wake up and see this because it's in front of your face. So 1971 with the weathermen. Now let's fast forward only eight years, a mere eight years, nine years, when you had the ABSCAM investigation. 
I don't know if you're familiar with Abscam. Very, very familiar, yep. So just for your audience, you know, Abscam was, you know, the FBI became aware of, uh, of uh, corruption involving elected officials, and unelected officials, but they were focused on, you know, senators, congressmen, both at the state and the, and the federal level. And so they had undercover uh, FBI agents who pretended to be uh, Arabic. They were rich Arab sheikhs, and and they were offering money, uh, basically secret commissions and bribes, uh, to to have influence. And so those arrests took place, and and that came down. And what happened uh, the following year? Congress. I don't know if, if the number is still this today, but what happened? Congress said, "Uh oh." Uh, who's watching us, uh, the FBI. So they instituted a oversight that any FBI undercover project that had a budget that exceeded $250,000 would be reported to Congress, or at least have congressional oversight. Talk about a made-in-heaven uh, way to know if you or your buddies are, are, are under investigation. I mean, I, I look at that, and I, I, and I, and I look at... at what is going on in America today? And, and again, I, like I say, you, you, as Voltaire said, you want to know who controls you, you know, look at who you're not allowed to criticize. Exactly. And, and for the listeners and viewers, I just want to just drive this home. AppScam, it would be short for Arab scam, I, I believe, um, in kind of a convoluted sort of way. But it was a two-year operation, actually, that uh, more than 30 political figures were investigated, and among those, a total of seven congressmen, six members of the U.S. House of Representatives, and one U.S. Senator were convicted. Not only were there members of Congress, folks, but also one member of the New York or New Jersey State uh, Senate, members of the Philadelphia City Council, mayor of Camden, New Jersey, and an inspector for the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service. And we did have uh, um, the uh, um, uh, who was our guest, Joe, for uh, uh, Joe Pistone, I believe it was, uh, that was involved in the sting operation, as well as Serpico. But uh, Joe Pistone we had on, um, who went undercover uh, as Donnie Brasco. Yeah, I've met Joe a couple times. He's a, he's a good man. Yeah, and, and of course, um, that was this allegedly, now I'm not sure, if, I, I believe that was the same boat that was referenced in the movie, that they used the same boat, Abscam. But nonetheless, uh, I'm going off on a tangent here, but very interesting indeed. But I think it's important from a context point of view to, for people, especially young people, to really kind of understand the uh, the abs game and how significant that was back in 79, 80, 81, in that time period, I believe it was. Yeah, no, and, and again, you know, history repeats itself. You know, those in power, the only way they maintain their power is to maintain their control of the messaging. And that's why media and social media is so powerful. And for, for a great period of time, um, you know, until social media got as pervasive as it is, now people can start to un, unlayer the, the onion and, and are, are getting their eyes open more and more, hopefully, to, you know, what's behind some of the messaging that's going out there. But <clears throat> there was a, a certain point in, in time that if Walter Cron- Cronkite Said this is what it is. People took it as gospel. There, there was a, a sense of uh, institutional, uh, you know, solidness there. But the, that no longer exists. 
And again, I think that's, you know, people, I've been asked, Bill, why don't you go on the Hagman report? And one of the reasons that I do is I actually believe independent media channels is the only way that people can get out there and have their voice heard, have their concerns heard. Because, you know, again, I look at that app scam and I saw what happened after they did a brilliant job of dealing with corruption. They got a big thumb put on top of them. That's a big red flag. And I think if you look out over the last several decades, that thumb has become more insidious. It's become even more oppressive. And I think America still deals with its dirty baggage in a more open way than most countries. And again, it's not unique to the United States. Canada has the same issues. Certainly Britain does and others. But I keep coming back to the need for people not to believe what they're told or what they hear and use critical thinking. And that's, again, I don't want to go too off tangent, but I look at an education system that's all about indoctrination. You're not teaching the critical pathways in life. It's certainly not in the Western democracies because we're concerned about all these other touchy-feely things. The problem is predators and bad guys, they love it. They absolutely love what we're doing to our society because it's making the low-lying fruit even fatter and sweeter. And they're taking advantage. Man, you said it all. And I do want to just drive home, and Joe, you can pop in after this, that as you had indicated in some notes that I have in front of me, critical thinking is lost and is not a factor in how young people are educated. And it amazes me how many people can watch a video, for example, that maybe some guy made in his father's basement about some issue and get thousands upon thousands of views and subscribers. It's just ridiculous. And people just leave their critical thinking skills, if they had any to begin with, before they turn on the computer, apparently. I don't know. Go ahead, Joe. No, and Mr. Miker, you said a whole lot. And to go back to some of what you said with the media, it's like a bad relationship. The media has lost all trust and respect from the American people, and they have done nothing to try to repair that trust. So they're going to continue to decline as far as people listening to them. But unfortunately, there are, as you said, a lot of people out there who have been through the indoctrination through the school systems, and they continue that pattern even when they're adults and listen to things and get indoctrinated to things like the media is telling them. And one thing that really bothers me about the educational system and in politics involvement in it is that when you look at, there's countless numbers of examples where you can look at 100 years ago, people taking, professors or teachers taking tests from 100 years ago from 6th grade through 12th grade and giving it to kids now, even in college, they can't even get 50% of the answers right. And that tells me that the educational system has not grown. They're not continuing to, even if 100 years ago, 8th grade students were smarter than 12th grade students are today, what does that say about progress, especially in the educational system? And then the indoctrination part, where it's not teaching, as you said. It is basically being told how to think. And these people are not being given critical thinking skills. And without that, their brains are, and I think we've all been through that. When people say that they have 
they've been awoken to the reality or the truth of the matter. That's the deprogramming of the uh, critical thinking skills. And I got a book here that I started reading a while back that I'm going to continue reading. Uh, start again. It's called Brainwashing: the the Science of Thought Control. And it, this is really what's going on in our country on a massive scale from all aspects. And uh, you know, you go back to Edward Bernays. Um, in, in the beginning of advertising and, and using uh, man, manipulative tactics on, in, on human nature, they have created this into a science, and they have almost perfected it. But again, many people are are uh, breaking out of that mold and are uh, becoming part of the independent media and are becoming engaged and continue to uh, help others to get out of that that same uh, destructive cycle. Folks, we're talking with Inspector Bill Miker. He will be our guest. What a treat uh, it is to have him, Joe. Yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover, and it's going to be a great conversation. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. We are so blessed to have with us Inspector Bill Miker. I want to thank Brent Bolesky from uh, uh, Spy Theater. Brent Bolesky, thank you so much for arranging this, for arranging this with John. Really, I, I, Inspector Bill Miker is a key uh, source, resource, intelligence source, great background information. This man has done more in his life than most people can even imagine. And, uh, we're very fortunate to have him. And, th- th- and thank you, Brent Bolesky. Thank you. John, thank you so much. Uh, I do want to mention, uh, although it's scheduled to be on InfoWars, t- uh, either today or tomorrow, uh, I couldn't do today. I had a sch- scheduling conflict. So I'll be on InfoWars on Monday. Right now it's just confirmed today for Monday. Uh, so we're going to be talking about, the, in fact, I'll be talking about a federal investigation. That I'm working on exposing that uh, with some people who want to get it out. It's kind of flying underneath the radar right now. Not to tell any uh, tales out of school, but just to bring people up to speed. And I think it's it's out there. It's kind of simmering in the public domain, but the significance of which is just not being recognized. So Infowars on Monday. And I was talking to my friend Pat Campbell, uh, KFAQ uh, Tulsa. Yeah, Megan Kelly interview. Perhaps right. No, I, I think I think I'm gonna decline that, uh, Pat. Thank you so much uh, for offering to broker that for me. I'm gonna decline that. But uh, you know, we, the first segment we, with Inspector Bill Micker, we were talking about everything from uh, uh, the war, international war crimes tribunal, kind of setting the stage, kind of going a little bit from what he talked about last time that he was with us uh, to. Uh, the lack of critical thinking, the one thing that's really key as well, uh, what he started out by saying and was talking about is this, uh, diversity, uh, self-interest, uh, uh, incredible selfishness, I suppose, that, uh, exists when we talk about, uh, when we talk about, uh, uh, well, 
I'll just leave it at that. You can go back and listen. Investigators fail, by the way, and this is important. Investigators fail when they don't deviate from their investigative theory. And I've seen this happen myself as an investigator, but certainly I would defer to, to Inspector Micker. Um, I've seen this happen in my, in, in my capacity as an investigator where people, their investigator, investigative blinders can really be a detriment to the person looking at a case or a series of cases. And that kind of set the periphery of, uh, critical thinking as well. But, uh, that, that blind, that blinders the, uh, the lack of deviation from investigative theory. So, uh, Investigator Mike, uh, Micah, how does this relate to the Russian collusion uh, theory that we see taking place and developing? If you want to address that now, sure. You know, just before I do, I just correct one thing that that uh, uh, Joe uh, had said. You know, today in the education uh, field, we're not we're not teaching people how to think; we're t- teaching them what to think. And and again, that that permeates uh, as these people go into jobs as investigators. I, gee, I want to be an investigator. And, okay, here's your job. And, and, and when they lack the critical thinking, just as you pointed out, uh, as an investigator, yes, of course, you have a, if a crime's already been committed, you, you have hopefully a basis of, of what was the motivation, what was behind it, who was behind it. And, and, and you have a, a focus, but you can never lose sight that you could be wrong. And, and you can never take away from the fact that if you are only focused on bringing the information that bolsters your argument, but you're ignoring all the other information out there that could actually uh, uh, make you change your investigative direction, people are, are, are have egos, and and many people don't want to admit after putting weeks or months of time into something that they got it wrong. And again, there's a reason why innocent people do get convicted. And part of that is because of the rigidity of thought. And, and again, it goes with not teaching people how to think, but what to think. And so if you want a preordained outcome, then you just keep on that narrow path. And as you know, you, you can't help every time I turn on the news, uh, you just roll your eyes because it's this Russian collusion nonsense. Right. And, and, and to me, you know, initially, hey, well, it sounds, uh, you know, pretty ominous. And then you, you keep waiting for somebody to give you, you know, a hard data point, something, you know, I see people driving 100 miles an hour, uh, whether it be in the media or, or in the political process, but it's like nobody's at the wheel. Which direction are you going and how are you getting there and why are you going there? And, and it seems very clear to me that people, uh, the greater public, that is, has bought into a messaging, a massaging of, of thought but it's not backed up by, by any hard critical facts. And listen, I, I, we do it for the right reasons, but if we can do it for the right reasons, we can also do it for, for the wrong reasons. And that is we do in government from time to time put out information, whether it be in the form of a press release, whether it be in the, in the, uh, the form of a, of a news conference, to put information out there, not because we want the public to know, but because there's a certain individual or a group that that's really who that message is designed for. And typically when you do, uh, you know, the, the, these undercover investigations, we want our target to, to see a certain news story. We want them to, to talk about it with us or we want to trigger uh, 
uh, a conversation between uh, maybe co-conspirators where we have wiretaps up where we want to see are they are they talking about this this uh, uh, news release or something that came out in the news. Uh, there are times I've seen. And, if I can stop you right there, to, to what extent, Inspector, in those occasions, were, was the media aware of that, or were they never aware that you were you were doing this specifically for a mission critical purpose? We we typically wouldn't uh, disclose uh, that uh, up front because of operational security. But there there does come a point where you know. You'd want to keep the media on side. I believe that, you know, you know, the world is better off having responsible journalism. But that's the key. Responsible journalism, not yellow journalism. And, and we're, we're in a day and age where you think back before CNN came along, uh, you know, everybody thought, hey, a 24 hour news channel, who's going to stay and watch that? You know, we're used, we're conditioned to watch the six o'clock news. And, and so you would get your, your news in one burst over an hour period, and the rest uh, went on. All of a sudden, you're into this 24-hour news cycle. It's Media is, is, you know, owned by the, the right and managed by the left. And, and so, but there are still, so you get the messaging that, uh, you know, I guess the, the leftist thinking people want to see out there, but it's all about profits. It's all about, you know, what's driving it. Remember, self-interest, greed, power, or ego. I'm a, all these media outlets in the United States are conglomerates, and, and it's all driven by ad revenue and who's watching it. And, and so it becomes more about entertainment than it does about actual hard facts. You know, the reason that most journalists don't uh, go on to testify in criminal trials is because they're not dealing in facts. You know when you've testified, you, you, you can't give them what you think. you got to tell them what you know. And and anything else is hearsay. So, you know, the, the, the standard in a courtroom is far different than the standard in, in, a, in a media outlet. And, and again, I look at this, uh, this uh, you know, this Russian collusion if, if you didn't have the information by now, you're not going to have it, you know, because all of this has a historical context. So you, you've, you've got the apparatus of the entire U.S. government, both its uh, overt and covert capabilities. Where's where's the smoking gun? What I see is smoke and mirrors. And, and it's very clear that there is another agenda at play. That's, that's how I interpreted it, at least. And, again, what I said earlier, for a lot of good reasons, we we – uh, I don't know if I'll quite use the word manipulate, but we use the media for for a an objective, which is to take a murderer off the street. Typically, uh, we don't do it for minor crimes, but it's, it's for serious offenses or where we believe there's a, a, a conspiracy. People want to come and, and blow something up. And we need to figure out ways to intervene because we still live in societies with the rule of law. Without the hard evidence, we can't uh, we can't do anything. And we don't want to do a preventative measure at this point because we don't think we've identified everybody in the conspiracy. So, you know, there are these other tools that you that you try to use. But the problem now is, I I sit in uh, in, the, in the seat of power in one of these organizations. Well, I I actually want to get promoted. I actually uh, see a different career path than this political master. I need to support him or her. In such a way that maybe maybe I'll use those media channels that we have and and put a little spin 
on uh, the messaging that I want to put out there. Of course, human nature is human nature. Uh, nobody is as, as, as pure white as the driven snow. So you are going to have those thought processes and those actions taking place 100%. So, okay. Now, as this applies, if we can bring this back to or keep this on, on the topic of the Russian collusion theory, as it applies to this, the agenda, the objective appears to be purely political and at this point um and correct me if i'm wrong um this is this is the environment where innocent people do have a tendency or people who are not primary targets end up being uh not just targeted but uh charged with with uh, things is is that a fair statement well they they get you know it's like they say collateral damage yeah. you were never the intended target but you know bad luck for you you're in the wrong place at the wrong time be to thwart our uh, our ambitions i mean it's very clear with the with this whole you know russian collusion uh hubra that you know you think you think about what i just said earlier you know if you want to know who controls you you know look who you can't criticize it's you know donald trump is the president of the united states but do you think he's really in control people are criticizing him every day and they're doing it, uh, whether it be the truth or not the truth. And I'm not defending the guy. I, I don't, I don't know. Him. Uh, but I'm, I'm watching this and I'm seeing somebody who ought to be the most powerful man in the world and he's being attacked by all sides, by all people. What is it that they fear about him so much? I don't think it's because of some of the past remarks he's made. I don't think it's because of, uh, some of the, the flaws in his character that he may possess. It's because he represents something different. And what he's representing that is different it is why I brought up earlier about Abscam. Why is it that the elected elite, that 1% who serves the 0.1%, because you can't serve the 0.1% unless you're close to a seat of power to pass legislation, to pass banking laws, to, to provide uh, uh, access to, to opportunities that the great masses will never see and will never have the opportunity. And so, in my view... Um, you know, President Trump uh, is not the most powerful man in America. Otherwise, he wouldn't be attacked like he's being attacked. He he is on to something, and it's frightened uh, those around him. And and again, as I said earlier, the United States, like other other Western countries, has been infiltrated by many people who don't bring what I call a purity of purpose to what they do. I remember just to backtrack a bit when I went off to join the Mounties. Uh, I was bond trader from London. I came back. My father was a career naval officer. In fact, he was Canada's uh, NATO representative for 13 years uh, on, on what they call Link 11, Link 12, but on communications. And, and my father, I always saw him uh, studying. I always saw him. There were times he was away for, for a year at a time. And, and but I remember when he drove me to the airport, he said, look, Bill, there are times you're, you're going to know fear. There's times you're going to be tired. Why should I bother? He says, remember, duty to service. You're, you're joining a uniform service. You're joining to, to try to do the right thing. You, you know, if you're tired, suck it up. If you, if you know fear, get over it. And that's duty to service. What I don't see today to the same level of my father's generation is that same commitment, that purity of purpose that says, I'm here to defend the Constitution in the United States. I'm here to, to, to fight uh, enemies, both foreign and domestic. I'm here to, to, 
look after my brothers and sisters, you know, that exists with many people, but not enough of them. And the problem is these people who have a purity of purpose, they're typically out there doing the job. While they're out there doing the job, they're not playing the political game that allows them to get highlighted as somebody who is malleable to, to the policy centers. And most people who are in policy centers uh, have never walked the walk. And that's what I see when I look at what's happening uh, today uh, in the United States, and certainly in Canada as well. And is this a, not not that maybe not that this is necessarily important, but is this a kind of a Western mindset that we're seeing a pervasive Western mindset? And I guess the reason I ask that is because when we look at the um, uh, what's taking place across the globe, it seems like things are different everywhere. But specifically, there's this this change taking place within the West, the Western mindset, and as you call it, purity of purpose in particular. I, I believe so. I mean, I, I've been living in Asia uh, for, for 10 years. I've traveled extensively through the Middle East, uh, Africa, uh, in, in Asia. And, and the thing that I, I really observe, I look at Hong Kong, okay? Hong Kong's about 8 million people. You're, you're close to Chicago. What's the population of Chicago? No. We're just there. We're just talking about it, too. Eight, I don't know. No, no, eight. It's uh, 9.2 million? Maybe. Okay. So, so Chicago, about 9 million. Uh, Hong Kong, about 8 million. One weekend in Chicago, you'll see more violent crime than you will see in a decade in Hong Kong. You know, really? Yeah. That and, and, you know, Hong Kong, everybody thinks everybody's rich. No, listen, land prices are through the roof. That, again, looks after that 1% very well. But for the rest of them, the majority of people here are living in housing estates, council estates. They, they're, the minimum wage here is only about four fifty U.S. or $5 U.S. an hour. You know, we hear all this stuff in the news about all the wealth. Yeah, there's great wealth here in, in Hong Kong, but it's, it's not going to everybody. And yet, and yet, I can walk, and my wife, my children, they can walk any street in Hong Kong and be safe. And Mr. So Mayor, that's it. Uh, the population of Chicago is uh, between 2.7 and 3 million. And I apologize. So. However, it does... <laughs> Uh, and I included right, this uh, from Milwaukee to to Gary is the greater uh, Chicago area, which is nine point two. I apologize for that, but but the, the point's the same though. Yeah, yeah. The point the point is the same. The the this is a cultural and a societal issue. The other thing about here in Asia and and in India, you know, they're going to overtake uh, many of our youth simply because they're they're brought up to, to understand that nobody's going to give you. Uh, a free ride. You know, there's the, the social net. There's a social safety net here, but it's 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 minimum. You know, the 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 Asian way is, if if you're not going to work for it, why should I give it to you? And and there's there's a there's a very uh, set way of looking at things. That hey, I'll look after my family, uh, even if there if there are problems. I'm not going to rely on the community because I don't want to lose face that can't look after a mother or a father. So there's a, there's a strong cultural bond. Over here, but also, you go to to the universities here. They're learning the kids here, and in China, and in India, and in Eastern Europe, they're learning engineering, they're learning medicine, they're learning science, they're learning chemistry, they're learning tech. They're not taking, uh, you know, female studies. Uh, uh, you know, the, the all these airy fairy. That how's that going to help you uh, build a bridge? Listen, I. I like I said, if I want diversity, 
I want diversity in my entertainment. I want diversity in the grocery store. I don't want diversity for the sake of diversity when it comes to critical things. I, 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 you want diversity uh, as, the, as the main criteria for the guy who flies your plane, the guy who does the root canal on you? Of course not. And yet, somehow, when it comes to uh, the security and well-being of our homes and our communities, we've, we've embraced just for the sake. I, I'm all in favor. I'm married to an Asian woman. Uh, my grandparents of my of my children, adopted grandparents, I call them, are, are Malaysian Muslim. I, I got none of this uh, anti-rhetoric based on race or religion. That's that's not what I'm talking about here. And again, you know, you just think logically and look logically. The the there's no way that somebody is going to get a contract to build a bridge. Uh, with with what they've been educated with, five years of fluff. Then you have, I can hire somebody from, from India, I can hire somebody uh, from overseas who is hungry, who knows that the only way that they're going to get anything is by uh, by doing it themselves. They're, they're much more self-reliant and self-sufficient. And, and at one time, that was what America was famous for. Um, until about 30, until the 60s, late 60s, you know, America led the world by by its innovation, by what it did in the Second World War, after the war, you know, the rebuild of countries, the response to calamities all over the world, the, the inventions, you know, uh, th- there was so much that the world admired, respected, and and followed, and and to a degree still do, but but you know, there's been a there's been a rot from within. And so nobody's going to tell me when I connect the dots that, that America is better off today than it was 40 years ago but, in terms of, of security. Man, you are absolutely right. And um, uh, I know some of your notations include that, you know, diver- as you said, diversity is good in entertainment and, of course, in, in grocery shopping, but disastrous for public safety and national security. And this is what we see here. And, and you bring up a good point. We're seeing... Where, where you are at, you are seeing, um, education, the, the, the practical education based on need and based on, uh, well, based on values that we had a half a century ago but have somehow squandered away. We don't have that here anymore, uh, in, in, in the United States and even in Canada. It's gone, it's gone by the wayside. It's, it's all emotion driven as opposed to, Need-driven or uh, uh, practical of a practical sense. So you're absolutely correct. Um, so, so, it, it, and is there is there any way to get back? And, and I guess what's the answer to that? For, uh, now, this is uh, me asking you personally and professionally. Well, what's the answer to this? Is there an answer to this, or is there a way to get back there? Well, that's a that's a very good question, and I I really don't have. A definitive answer. I think that we have a pathway because we saw what worked in the past when we held people accountable, when we made people uh, self-reliant. You know, it, it's very classic. I mean, you've probably seen the cartoon, you know, where where it says, "Don't feed the bears," be because they learn how to be bears and to be self-reliant. The welfare state creates that same sort of thinking. You know, if if, if there's more incentive for me just to sit back and be fed, what incentive is there for me? Uh, to go out and learn to be self-sufficient, and and again we've we've embraced and we're creating uh, an indoctrination from our children uh, upwards that everybody deserves the same thing. No, they don't deserve the same thing. Everybody deserves equal opportunity. 
But if somebody's going to work harder than the other, they deserve more. If somebody's going to take bigger risks and it works out for them, they deserve what they get. I don't begrudge anybody who's been financially successful as long as they did it the old-fashioned way, through hard work, sweat, and labor. How many times have we heard what I call the champagne socialists complaining about the actions or wealth of an individual? Well, some of those individuals, like they say, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. I didn't get it because I was born into it. I didn't get it because I married into it. I did it through hard work, sweat, and labor. And again, how do we get back to it? We have got to take back reality. And these reality shows on TV is not reality. It's just entertainment. And look just at the recent election, the by-election in Georgia. You know, this is one small county. And a local person versus somebody who lived outside. But yet, why is California and New York caring what happens in that small center in Georgia? There's other interests at play here. And I tell you, it always bothers me when I see these celebrity types out there who are slamming the evilness of certain political leaders and political opinions and viewpoints. Everybody's got, you know, I'm entitled to my viewpoint, but I don't like yours, so I'm going to shut you down. And the thing that really bothers me, it really does bother me, is when I see some of these Hollywood types going on about, oh, we have to do more to help people who aren't in America. But we need to do more, you know, as I live in my gated community and gated house with bodyguards or chauffeurs, do more for humanity. But where it really gets me, and I use, only because he said it, I'm not picking on him, but somebody like George Clooney. You know, I remember a few years ago reading an article where he was asked, you know, do you think you'll ever run for politics? And quite frankly, I like his movies. I enjoy his movies. But he says, no, he says, I've taken too many drugs and a bit more guttural than what I'm going to say, but he said, I've taken too many drugs and slept with too many women to ever have a career in politics. But the thing about that that bothers me, he with his buddies, you know, and again, I don't know what drugs he's using, but I'm assuming probably some cocaine. So you think that that eight ball or that half gram or ounce that you had for your party and your friends, you think that was made especially for you? No, it's made as part of a one ton or two ton shipment. There are policemen making $300 a month being assassinated because they paid $600. The cartels are paying $600 to shoot honest policemen in Colombia. You know, we forget that, you know, Mexican policemen and their families are being slaughtered. A good friend of mine was with the Guadalajara police, fairly senior, and he finally left because he said, Bill, I had to go shopping in armored personnel carriers with my wife and kids. And there's a reality to the world. But these guys saying, hey, we're here to save the world. Give me my line. And not understanding that you're contributing to the death of murder of innocent policemen and you're affecting their family. So, you know, take your holier than thou spiel and shove it somewhere else. Amen, brother. We're talking with Inspector Bill Miker. Somebody, Joe, somebody I believe is probably the most foremost authority, world's foremost authority on the investigation of money laundering. And I want to thank Brett Pulaski from Spy Theater. Definitely got the experience and very well spoken. We're covering a lot of ground today. Very much. And you just reminded me, Mr. Miker, I've mentioned it a few times this week. There's a great series 
this week, America's War on Drugs, that covers some of what you're talking about. And, I mean, it goes uh, into much greater detail uh, about the money laundering and how the U.S. government uh, allowed drugs and, and money to funnel through to fight different wars, whether it was communism or, or whatever else. But, uh, folks, he'll be with us for another segment. Inspector Bill Michael. I'd like to get his take on the current war on drugs. Why don't we come back? Yeah. Because i, I got a real problem with what's going on. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and the Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changepostandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Television studios here in Northwest Pennsylvania, broadcasting right now to 64 countries, 64 on uh, on, on the hook right now. I want to say hello to everyone. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for tuning in. Thanks so much for your belief and trust in us as we walk through this minefield of current events together. And we've got a deep background guest, a, a guy that I, I, I really believe, knowing what I know about Inspector Bill Miker, and thank you, Brent Bolesky, so much, Spy Theater, for arranging this with John. Uh, you want to know anything about financial crimes, about money laundering, about the way the system works, about the way the system should work, the this is the guy. And he offers the context and the perspective of the way things are today. And he's a, a class act, in my view. And it's early where he's where he's at. In, in uh, I'm just allowed to say Hong Kong. Okay, so he's over there. Uh, he has no social footprint other than his LinkedIn uh, uh, profile for security reasons. But nonetheless, uh, we've got him and we like him. Brent Pulaski, thank you. And Inspector Bill Micker, thank you so much. Come on back and. Uh, Go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll reach out. The, the, uh, you know, you'd asked earlier, you know, what are the things we need to do to get back on the right foot? And and to me, there, there's a, a great friend of mine, uh, Joe McCarthy, uh, you know, the chaplain uh, and volunteer fireman with the Suffolk County Fire Department. But but Joe represents the, what America used to be, you know, uh, compassion for neighbors, uh, you know, values. I mean, he's he, obviously the chaplain, but 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 compassion for, for people, uh, concern about what's happening in the community. Joel reached out to me a few years ago because he, he had heard me either heard me speak or saw some publications. And Joel, you know, was offended by some of the financial chicanery that he saw going on. And he reached out to me for a bit of advice uh, and, and what can be done about it. Uh, I believe it was dealing with uh, naked short selling. There's so many different ways that, that the public gets screwed. But, uh, but, but Joel has always had that, what I talked about earlier, that purity of purpose, that thing where you put your head down, you work, you look after people. And, and that's, that's the kind of people that need to bring America back onto a solid footing again. Well, Joe McCarthy, we honor your service, your purity of purpose, and your class act. I was out in Suffolk, uh, Suffolk County, uh, oh, this is probably a decade ago. Joe and I, you and I were out there. I remember what you were talking about. We actually met some Walter Fireman and some police yep. of, of Suffolk County, so, uh, perhaps we might have met Joe McCarthy and not known it. But, but thank you, uh, Joe McCarthy. Thank you so much. Uh, uh Joe, right? Not John. It's Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe McCarthy. Like fishing, Joe's your man. All right. Well, all right. So, so this, this brings us into really, uh, this kind of offers a nice segue into where we're at today. Just, uh, go ahead and, and, uh, you know, oh, oh yeah, you know, I want to ask you this before we get, go any further. The, you had mentioned about George Clooney and about the, uh, his admission uh, of whatever, you know, drugs that he might have taken. I'm, I'm looking at this. We're looking right now in the United States. Oh, this big opioid epidemic that's taking place right now. Uh, I'm struggling to understand this because what I see are veterans. Uh, I see, I see veterans who have had limbs blown off and have, uh, are suffering immensely. I see cancer patients. I see people that have terminal or chronic illnesses who are being denied pain medication because of uh, you know, some mope out there, uh, you know, trying to get their freak on with some opiates. And, and a small number of people actually, uh, end up, you know, dying, uh, through overdoses. But the people I see paying for this are the people the most in need. Um, help me out with this, Inspector. What's going on here? And is it right? 
Well, no, it's certainly not right. Um, the, I mean, a heroin is an opiate. It's been around for over 100 years. Uh, you know, what, what you're seeing now, though, is you're seeing carfentanil, uh, fentanyl, but carfentanil especially uh, that's being manufactured, and, and that's what's decimating uh, most of the population. But, yeah, to me, it's lunacy. We have the same thing in Canada. Uh, by background, I, I used to run uh, the drug section for the Mounties in, in their third largest detachment in Canada, and... I mean, Vancouver, a beautiful city, but better watch where you go because there's a junkie on almost every downtown street corner aggressively panhandling. You leave a you leave a dollar in your car, you can be guaranteed your window's going to be smashed and it's going to be taken out. It's basically open shooting galleries uh, over large blocks of the city. That's the reality nobody wants to face, but, but that, that exists, and it exists because we facilitate it. You know, if... if your child's a diabetic or you're a diabetic, you've got to go buy your needles. But if you make bad choices and, and you want to self-medicate, we're going to give you a free needle at the needle exchange. And I used to, uh, when I first started undercover, I wanted to meet my, my targets. I would go down in what's called a rig. That's your needle. I would, I would go where all the other junkies were and get my rig from the, the needle exchange van as it comes around. Now you've got safe injection sites. So, hey, let's, uh, let's facilitate people's and enable their, their, their habits. And, and again, we're a just society, so we can't let people sleep out in the cold. There's enough, there's a lot of uh, sleeping room in, in a lot of these cities, but a lot of these junkies, they don't want to be in and be quiet by 10 p.m. at night when it's lights out. Oh, I'm a, I'm a free person. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, well, too bad but, uh, because I'm paying for it. You know, this whole thing about war on drugs, I, I think it's it's been misclassified. There's not a war on drugs. There's a war on drugs. You'd be carpet bombing uh, the fields where 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 the opiates uh, or or the cocaine or whatever is is being produced. If it was a war on drugs. You'd be double tapping, uh, you know, and letting God sort them out later. Uh, those who are importing and dealing drugs. I do have a great deal of sympathy if somebody becomes an addict. Uh, but again, that's still by their choice. Sometimes you get weak people. Sometimes you have people who who have other mental health issues, and and so they gravitate to the drugs. Right. And but but there are people who prey on these people. You know, it, it's you know it's that middleman who's not a user, but he's making his money. Those people war on drugs. You know, double tap them. Right. That's uh, what I believe. Okay, and, and I'm with you there. Yeah, because we're not taking care of the problem. We're punishing the. Uh, we're punishing a segment of society, and it really gets me with the veterans, uh, especially the veterans who, who are, you know, just live in constant pain because our country over overseas, they get blown up, they come back here, and, and they're missing appendages. They've got uh, lifetime injuries, and they're not being um, – their suicide rate is huge, uh, number of suicides every day. Most of them live, live in chronic pain, and yet – this so-called war on drugs affects them the most, or the terminal patient, or the whatever it might be, yeah, um, and, and the legitimate a, people. That that uh, special that was on the Americans' war on drugs, it went over a lot of this stuff. You know how the war on drugs, you know, drugs are, it's like the war on terrorism. It's open-ended, and there's no definitive goal, and, and um, you know, it added to the militarization of the police, they argue. But one of the most fascinating things about it was, how the same government that's declaring the war on drugs is the the government that is, uh, you know, in Afghanistan and has increased opium production, you know, over the past 15 years, a uh, hundredfold, if not more. How they allowed, as you said, uh, Mr. Miker, you know, the and even partnered with the the Sinaloa drug cartel. How they partnered with 
a number of, of drug traffickers in the past allowing the drugs to come in, even uh, in some cases bringing them in with, with government uh, transportation. But then, you know, on the other side, once they're out on the streets and they crack down, they use, I mean, it was, it was just a, a very eye-opening series. And it, it showed the extent of the hypocrisy in the drug war. And I think people need to understand um, that the government, I, I would say, is the biggest drug dealers of them all. And then you have the legal drugs, which is what we're talking about. You know, they tell you, you know, the, the um, not to use these street drugs, but then they turn the pharmaceutical industry into, you know, the uh, a de facto legalization of drugs and, and pushing those drugs on the society. Yeah, so there's a lot crazy. of areas that. Um, well, yeah, it, it, it's it's a very complex problem. I mean, the fact is, you you you, you know, some some 18 year old in a in a brief moment makes a bad choice. And then they're on a slab. I mean, who 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 wants that? Right. Uh, you know, any parent. I, I get that. Right. But but you know, everybody has been taught from day one, drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. And yet you get this message from Hollywood that glorifies drug use. You know, it glorifies an athlete who was a great athlete, got into cocaine addiction, and then they do a front page story on him because oh, he's recovered. What a hero! That's no hero. What about the guy who never touched drugs? You know, he did it all the right way. But there's no there's no front page story on him. So in a perverse way, we're you know we're allowing our our messaging to glorify uh, poor choices and poor behaviors, and and yeah. and definitely um, you know you have doctors out there rather than have to deal with a with a patient. Okay, let's just fill out the prescription. You know, you deal with it later, and 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 so that's that's part of the problem. That's true. Um, but but I I think you know. People say hey, it's it's not a it's not a criminal issue. It's really a medical issue. Okay, fair enough. Let's let's treat it as a medical issue then. If 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 uh, if there's cancer attacking your body, you you fight it. And drugs is a cancer that's devastating America. Do we do we stop the fight on cancer? Do we stop looking for cures? Do we do we stop treating uh, when somebody's afflicted with cancer? Of course not. So why do we as a society want to say? Um, I can get rid of a legal drug act overnight, just legalize everything. What people fundamentally forget in this whole argument, though, is that organized crime does not exist to sell drugs. Organized crime exists to make money any way it can. Bingo. There it is. Yes. Go ahead. So you, you legalize. Go ahead. Legalize it all. But what purity? They're just going to come up with new stuff every day. There's new drugs hitting. Everybody understands uh, business marketing. But, but you know, when when the the war on drugs, to use that phrase, in the 80s and 90s was really getting uh, uh, more aggressive. Uh, I remember talking to some DEA guys, and they're saying, you know, a lot of our a lot of our typical drug targets are now getting involved in stock fraud because the the penalties are a lot less. You know, it's risk reward. And as, as the streets are flooded with cocaine, supply and demand, the prices are going down, but the incarceration length of time was, was actually a deterrent. So let's just do financial crime now. And, and that's why you've seen this explosion to a degree of massive financial fraud and crime in the last 20 years is because, uh, being a drug dealer, uh, for how much you were making didn't, uh, wasn't worth, worth the risk. Man, I, I would love to see your case files, Inspector Micro. I really would. I'd love to. See, I'd like to have like a week in a locked room with your case files. I really would. <laughs> that would. Be, I'm sorry. I, I just. But this goes back to what I was saying. You know, my views are formed by my own experiences, and and nobody taught me. You know, 
uh, what to think. They taught me how to think. You know, it was primarily my father. And, and I actually had good, you know, not all, not all of them were good, but I had some pretty good mentors in, in the Mounties and, and with other people I've worked with. And so I've been, I've been fortunate because they haven't been blighted by this political correct nonsense. They, they know if the water's leaking onto the boat that you either plug it or you, you know, put on a, a life jacket. You don't, you don't talk about what color the boat you sh- you're going to paint it as you're sinking. Uh, you know, so that's the nonsense. And, and, you know, think about something that's just happened in the last uh, two weeks. And, you know, the, the USS Fitzgerald, the destroyer. Yes. In, in the, in the Sea of Japan. And before I get into my sort of take on it, uh, you know, I used to, when I was a young policeman, I had to go to car accidents, uh, part of my duties. And I would come to a car accident, and I would say to the drivers involved, listen, um, an accident happened because it was either an act of God or somebody made a mistake. And I don't see an act of God here, so uh, I think you hit a left-hand turn when you shouldn't, or you didn't signal when you should have, and so here's your ticket. And, and that was how I always rationalized it. So I look at uh, the Fitzgerald. So was it an act of God? I don't think so. So it's either an accident or it was by design. And I don't hear a lot of people. There are some people coming out there, but I, you know, I read the news. That's all I have. And I say, okay, you've got this very modern warship. Um, so if it's an accident, then it, it speaks to the degree of incompetence of the people that are now in the U.S. Navy that uh, with all that equipment, both visual, I mean, you're talking a 30,000-ton freighter. It wasn't a dark and stormy night. It was it was fairly uh, clear sailing conditions. Um, officers of the watch, uh, you know, all the other equipment. So it's either a catastrophic failure in leadership and, and, and function. Um, again, it goes back a bit more to my diversity uh, comment. Are we really putting the right people in the right jobs? Right. And then, and then, or, or, you know, we've seen with Major Hassan, there are people within the armed forces of the United States who are not loyal to the United States and certainly to its sailors. Was there somebody on that vessel that sabotaged it either before it went out to sea or while they were there that disabled or, or did something, uh, in concert? Now, that's, that's one theory. The other way of looking at it is, and others have spoken about this, but right now, what are you seeing in uh, the Straits of Malacca, in, in Mindanao, in South Philippines? You're seeing a, a very uh, much a resurgence in Islamic terrorism, uh, Abu Sayyaf and a few others. But they've always had a marine. I mean, the piracy in the Straits of Malacca is, is something that's been a time-honored tradition. And, and you have that Japanese-owned vessel, 100% crewed by Filipinos. Do we know if any of those Filipinos uh, are from Mindanao? Do they have, uh, you know, Islamic uh, jihad sympathies? I, I believe it's it's possible. I'm not saying it's probable, but it's possible that there could have been collusion between somebody on the the Japanese uh, vessel uh, and and with somebody in the crew uh, in the Fitzgerald. Again, if it's not an act of God, then it could either be shocking incompetence on the parts of two different vessels. Or it is, uh, or something more sinister. And, and, yeah. you know, putting it out there doesn't mean it's so, but you better be looking objectively 
at at all the possibilities. You right. owe that the seven sailors who died. And and, and that, that goes right back to what you said. Critical thinking skills and critical thinking and investigators when investigators fail uh, investigators fail when they don't deviate from their investigative theory. And so either one applies or both would apply here uh in theory. So very good analysis on that. Um yeah, in, indeed. Wow. Okay. Um, the deep state rearing its ugly head kind of overlaps everything we've been talking about. And we've had people on, uh, talking about the deep state, of course, and, you know, what, comp- who comprises, what comprises the deep state. Uh, whether it's, it, it, well, uh, I'll just leave it at that. To what extent do you think, uh, f- f- from what we've talked about, from, from the Russian involvement, uh, or the allegations of Russian involvement, which are non-existent, at least the proof thereof is non-existent to, um, the, um, everything that's happening today. To what extent are we seeing this attempted assassination, political assassination of the presidency and, uh, or of the president and of the presidency of the United States? And, and, and how would you classify it as, um, as an inspector, basically looking at this as if this was a criminal case? Elements taking the things taking place by elements within our government. What do you see taking place within our government to marginalize and uh, I'm using the term assassinate metaphor metaphorically, but assassinate the president and assassinate the presidency of the United States? I, I think there are several key features, uh, and you know, and it, and it and it goes back with the coronation that didn't occur, and and there was a. An establishment that believed, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton was was going to be president. People already had their positions lined up. They already had their their trade-offs for for being political psychophants within government uh, for for a careerist move. And and all of a sudden, uh, out of left field comes Donald Trump, who is your classic pull in the China shop in that he is not politically correct. He calls a spade a spade. You know, it, I, again, I don't agree with everything he says or does, but I certainly respect that, you know, he seems to be what America needs right now in terms of identifying those issues that have taken America back. I, I said to American friends before the election, you know, both pro-Trump and, and anti-Trump, um, I said, listen, it's a very simple choice. So I'm a Canadian. I live in Asia. I'm purely looking outside in. But if... Uh, if you think America's been on the right path for the last 30 years, then the choice is simple. Go with the status quo, which is what Hillary Clinton represented. If you believe that there's something wrong in America and it's not on the right path, then you at least have a choice uh, with somebody who very clearly is not part of the political establishment. He's not path, part of that same pathway. Um, so he can be a disruptive factor such that you can shake the trees and hopefully rebuild or, or put forth uh, a better managed America. And, and that's, I mean, that, that's my honest, uh, view on it. But I look, I look at things like this. As you know, uh, you know, the law, there's strict liability. Ignorance of the law is not an excuse. And yet, I, I observe, and by all accounts, uh, you know, uh, Director Comey supposed to be a pretty decent fellow, uh, talk to guys in the FBI. Uh, but many of them talk to me and, and they're a bit, uh, flabbergasted at, at some of the things that they were observing. But how is it that when it comes to uh, classification of documents and the security of, of documents and IT systems, um, I know when I worked in government, that was sacrosanct. 
You know, when you came into to my office, uh, even on the outer door, you're not even allowed to bring your cell phone. You have to leave it out there. You know, we, we use Tempest computers. We, we, you know, in my office where, where we had the stew phone so we can maintain communications. You know, I had to harden all the, the fiber optics in the building. It cost $100,000 just to service our office because we were in a civilian building. Uh, you know, security is actually very real and, and has a great detrimental impact if protocols and procedures aren't followed, you know, you know, Ella Snowden, Manning, etc. But when when I see that the notion of strict liability uh, has gone out the window, when I see the director uh, of the FBI say, "Yeah, had all the appearance of a walk like a duck, quack like a duck, but we didn't treat it as a duck," that's a big red flag for me. And 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 then I see, uh, you know, who it's again. I, if, if I openly admit to putting a confidential or a protected document um, out into the public domain, I'm going to have hell to pay. And, and you know, Director Comey, to his credit, acknowledged that he was the leak of, of, of a sensitive conversation. Think about it. You're the head of the FBI. You're having a private conversation with the Commander-in-Chief and the President of the United States, and you take that uh, conversation, make your notes on it, and and then and I don't imagine he did it on his home computer if he was during the daytime. So then provide that information to the New York Times. Many people uh, of lesser rank would be fired. And now the fact he's gone, but it still deals with the issues that there are serious red flags. Whether it be Bill Clinton meeting with uh, the Attorney General on a tarmac a week before such a, a, a critical case, whether the notion of strict liability, if ignorance of the law. Uh, is all of a sudden excuse for for a political leader, then why isn't it a good excuse for me as a Joe citizen? You you can't suck and blow at the same time, and that's exactly what's happening uh, from my perspective. And so I would want to dig down. Why are these leaks happening? Is there a substance uh, to the leaks? I know from doing covert ops that we put out information for strategic reasons. Strategic reasons in this case doesn't have to be uh, to catch a bad guy. It could be to protect a fiefdom, protect a, a, an elitist establishment that is well anchored and is being well fed. And, and again, it, it, human nature is human nature. If I'm king of the castle and I'm eating steak every day, I don't want to eat hot dogs. And that guy, President Trump, represents that I might have to go out and eat hot dogs because the, the fat cows are, are, are no longer here. Oh, great points. We have about three minutes left before the break. I want to make sure we get to this. Uh, can you and I see that you, you pointed this out, uh, Snowden, Manning, WikiLeaks, uh, you say that the uh, with specifics how these have caused damage without having a clue how they have done so. Can you get into that a little bit? Yeah. Sure. No, no, by the way, you're, you, i got to say this before we cut you loose. You're my favorite investigator. You really are. Okay, so you got about three minutes left. Go ahead. Okay. Um, very simply, the, the you know, when, when uh, Bradley Manning, uh, released all those uh, documents. You know, Edward Snowden released one and a half million uh, files out there that that not all of it dealt with uh, what he was offended by, which is the, the metadata. So he, he doesn't know how covert operations are done. He doesn't know the infrastructure that's built around it to support it, because all of that's on a need-to-know basis. An analyst and a contractor wouldn't have that specific knowledge and wouldn't be given that uh, specific knowledge. So he's offended by something. Let's deal with Manning, though, because it does impact uh, things that I did. So when I was uh, working undercover out of Miami, 
I had to meet a South African banker who would never come into the United States. The South African banker uh, is a money launderer. And he was the guy, in fact, who asked me if I could launder discounted bonds for Libya, North Korea, and Iran. He's the same guy that says, when you deal with me, you need to deal with our own uh, cybersecurity. It's got 128-bit encryption. This is going back uh, about 12, 15 years. And he said it's specifically designed to, to defeat the FBI carnivore computer, which I didn't even know it was till I, the FBI told me what it was, which is their system for monitoring. Um, so these guys are switched on and sophisticated. And, and so when I would go to meet him, uh, we wanted to record the conversations. And, and what was uh, unique is from Canada, if I went to do a covert police action overseas, we would inform the Attorney General of that host country that, hey, we're operating here, maybe do assistance. In this case, the FBI said, look at Bill, the problem we have, we're not going to inform the, the, the police and the, some of the jurisdictions you're meeting because we don't believe we can trust them. We think there's corruption and compromise. So what happened? The American ambassador for those jurisdictions I traveled in, he had to have an FBI uh, report to him providing we're going to be sending a covert operator in. His name is, uh, his real name is, is Bill Miker. Here's, uh, here's details on him. However, he is coming in uh, uh, covertly. His name is uh, Bill McDonald. Uh, he's with Northern Star Shipping. Here's the company's uh, names he's operating. And why do they do that? They do that because if something blows up when we're there, the ambassador doesn't want to be caught unaware because he has to deal with the political fallout of that local government. So that information, when it goes to the ambassador, is going out in cables, is going out in communiques, you know, secure communiques. And Bradley Manning, uh, he's, you know, those millions of cables, he has no clue what's in there. He could have been talking about, you know, Bill Mike, who's really Bill McDonald. That gets into the wrong hands. And that is the danger, uh, because I guarantee you, uh, there was disclosures, and there's no doubt in my mind that to Middle East or, or, or terror-prone uh, countries, those type of cables would lead to the death of many people, because there's no question in my mind that terrorists will kill 10 innocent people to get the one suspected informant. And you, Inspector Bill Miker, have had that experience. And I want to thank you so much for your time, your gift of time, early in the morning where you're at. Thank you so much for staying with us and giving yeah. us your expert analysis of, of events, past, current, and how they impact uh, and how they affect us contextually today. My pleasure. Thank All you right. for having me. All right. And uh, to Joe McCarthy... Uh, the uh, chaplain, volunteer farm in Suffolk County. Brother, we're right there with you. Keep, keep your on, keep, yeah, keep on keeping on, and uh, our prayers are with you. And we're your you're, you're good friend, Inspector Bill Miker. Good job. Good we'll right Thanks, guys. What about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of? In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. 
Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. This next hour, our final hour, we are joined by Dave Hodges. His website is thecommonsenseshow.com, and that's also the name of the radio show he has, The Common Sense Show. You can hear it right here on Global Star Radio Network, Sunday evenings, 8 to 11. And each week, my father or I have been on in the first hour of the show uh, with Dave, and uh, that's always so much fun, and we have him with us here tonight. It's We're payback. Get into it's payback time. It's payback time. That's, That's right. right. And, and I want to say this. Uh, folks, last night, uh, Bob Griswold had announced a con or a, a special uh, readymaderesources.com. Go to Outdoor and then Communications. That's readymaderesources.com, Outdoor Communications. And uh, there you'll click on the, uh, you, you'll see the Hagman special for the ham radios. Take advantage of that. All right. We again we had Boggers along with us yesterday. Good stuff. And, and we provide solutions, not just problems, but solutions and he does provide the best solutions around. Hey Hodges, come yeah. on in. Hey, Dave, you there? Anyone home? Hello. I'm home. There we All go. Right. How you doing, brother? You got me? <laughs> yeah, we got you. I'm here, buddy. Hey, you're right about Bob Griswold. He is the ultimate prepper. Are, are, are you in bed, Dave? I mean, are you talking underneath the covers? What's going on here? A little, uh, it sounds a little garbled. I, I love it, man. It's live radio. Fantastic one. Man. What do you, call, can you hear me? 
You, barely. Are you were you inside a this microwave or what? No. All right. We uh, did a sound check. Why don't you have your guy call me back? Our uh, guy Todd. All right. All right. We'll, we'll reconnect with you. Live radio at its finest. You know, live t- live radio and TV at its finest. Folks, uh, again, Dave Hodges at thecommonsensshow.com. We're coming back on. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, the communications. Folks, remember when the cell phones were analog and not digital? Remember when we had all analog? I thought it was, I thought it was fine back then. And I submit to everyone the conspiracy here with, with digital. The conspiracy is this. They can store more digital lives, right? That's what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? Because we, had, I, I thought analog was fine. Uh, I don't know. Just me. And you know what? This is for uh, Joe McCarthy. I hope you're still listening, Joe, out there in Suffolk County. I'm going to come and buy you a cup of coffee, all right? You do a great service uh, for the 911 uh, people. And uh, we, we thank you for your service. Joe McCarthy, a volunteer fireman and a chaplain, uh, Suffolk County Fire Department. A good friend of Inspector Bill Micker. So, uh, just again, our, our hats off to you. And, and the the, uh, the segment we did with Inspector Micker, we're, we're going to obviously, you know, segment that out. Yeah, we got some requests to do that already. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's very, you talk, you talk about really knowing uh, and, and really giving the context and i'm serious about wanting to go through this guy's files i'd I'd sit lock me in a room for a week with just the files man anyway good stuff uh and again the health care bill today some of the things that we we needed to to make mention health care bill today not enough to change but we're we we don't want health care we don't want obamacare light we just don't want that so consider that a lot of things happening behind the scenes we have dave hodges back with us a common sense show dave are you out of your missile silo, well, as Joe said? I, I hope that this is a little more palatable, and uh, I'm here and good to go, if you guys can hear me. Yes, yeah, we can. Yeah, sounds better, dude. Yeah, whatever you did. You, you know, the, took the foil off your phone or whatever, man. There you go. Well, I had the tin foil wrapped around my head, and I pulled it off my lips, so I think it'll work a lot better now. All right, brother. All right. we got so, a lot of things we're yeah. going to get into tonight. Um, Dave, I know you have some, some specific things you want to get into. Should we, uh, where should we start with the, the, uh, the latest updates from the shooting of, of Scalise last week? Or do you have somewhere else in mind? Well, yeah, that's a good place. I mean, that, that's as good as any. Um, the shooting of Scalise, and I'm going to tell you, I do not have an intent person on this, named or unnamed. This is simply my judgment. But, guys, you know as well as I do. When you have worked in this business as long as some of us have, uh, and this is some of my one of my love here now, Doug. I know you've been at it quite a bit longer. You develop kind of a second sense about what's true, and you can smell the Bravo Sierra from a mile away. I mean, I want to look at Hodgkinson just for a second here, and I and I did a podcast to this effect. Hodgkinson is a guy who barely could pay his own bills in Belleville, Illinois. By the way, I've been there. When I was a junior college basketball coach, played the Nationals there twice. Wonderful town. Wonderful town. And it doesn't seem like this guy would even fit in there because uh, it's a fairly well-to-do community. Anyway, he manages to go to the D.C. area in Virginia 
he uh, arrives on April the 11th, uh, in two months for the shooting. And just coincidentally, he stays in the YMCA adjacent to the baseball field. The day of the shooting, he shows up with a list, and he goes up to one of the guys on the list and says, are you guys Republicans or Democrats? Now, excuse me. If I'm mad enough that I'm going to interrupt my life to this degree, and I'm going to go across Hey, Dave, we're getting a lot of... It's coming in garbled. We can't even... Okay. We're having a hard time. Okay, let's try again. Yeah. There we go. My communications have have been... Is that better? Yeah. I don't Um, know if you did anything, but it's... uh, it's just the last few sentences are yeah, clear. Yeah, it's, it's better. Uh, you know, before it sounded like you were talking from Jupiter, but okay. Okay, well, I'm back on Mars now. So, um, but anyway, as I was saying, with regard to Hodgkinson, not only does he not know what the people look like that he's shooting, not only did he not have the means to support himself for that length of time on the road, and then you have the coincidence he's right next to the baseball field where he did the shooting. And then like all Patsy's guys, he dies. <clears throat> there was a report, I don't remember if it was ABC or CNN, that said he was expected to survive. And just like Seth Rich, just like Lee Harvey Oswald, dead men tell no tales. This smells so much like a, like a uh, uh, false flag, MK Ultra scenario. There's just too much here that doesn't add up. Well, I'll agree. There's a lot of a lot of questions um, that we don't have answers to. What what happened with the? Uh, I mean, this guy was completely ineffective. I mean, he did wound a number of people, and Scalise obviously caught the worst of it. But he was the only fatality. What do you think happened, or didn't happen in his carrying out of the mission? Yeah, I want to hear your theory. I well. Let's go to what, uh, and the man's name jumps out of my head now. He's a congressman from Texas. He came out yesterday and he said the FBI is on the table over. And so even people on the inside are seeing this for what it is. What I think this guy is, I, 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 I don't think he's a deranged shooter that went off on his own. Uh, I, I think he is programmed in some regard. There's too many coincidences. How does he end up staying at that YMCA right next to the people he's going to shoot? If you believe that's a coincidence, I got swampland in Florida to sell. Uh, to me, it's just unconscionable that, that even anyone could accept that at face value. That's the big one. So do I think he was programmed? Yeah, I think he was. If you were to ask me... Where does the greatest probability lie? That's it. Now, if he knew who he was shooting, um, and if he hadn't coincidentally stayed next to the baseball field for two months, or he did the shooting of these congressmen, uh, then I might be open to more or other theories. But there's a lot more here that meets the eye. I, I think this is a message from the deep state. I think the message is clearly this. You come after us with child sex trafficking, we're going to come after you. And I think it was a real clear public warning to the more conservative members of Congress 
that you are not going to go down the same path as Trump and Sessions are going down. Because, as you know, as I'm sure your, um, your audience is aware that Scalise was not only a pro-Second Amendment guy, but he also had announced his intentions and introduced a bill to go after child sex traffickers. So, that's guys, that's where I'm at with this. And like I said, I don't have any sources. I'm just saying this is what makes sense to me and what doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions. The FBI's report from was it yesterday came out and said that this wasn't even a terror attack. This was an assault um, by this guy. There's a apparently they disclosed a little bit of what he was doing on his computer. He only searched two of the names that, out of the six that were on his list on the computer, whatever that's worth. Um, I mean, there are a lot of unanswered questions that we'll never get the answer to, and you know we don't know. But thankfully, either way. He was completely unsuccessful in carrying out an assassination or multiple assassinations. Well, and, and what what Dave said, and, and Dave, it was May 25th that uh, Representative Scalise posted a video on YouTube channel and on his Twitter feed discussing recently passed bills in the House to target child predators and to protect uh, or to provide for protection for human trafficking victims. And that bill, they were going to vo- be voting on that bill before the shooting that if it will come up again anytime soon it's anyone's guess so i look at that and i'm I'm thinking what are the odds and you're right there okay what are the odds is it just bad luck and i know look i know i know things happen i i get i mean look i i get things happen you know people walk down the down the sidewalk and somebody's lifting the you know a, a piano out of their 12th floor, uh, you know, uh, window in New York City, moving it from one, and, and the piano drops on, falls on somebody's head. It happens. I get that. Wink, wink, nod, nod, but, oh, okay. So, so, but it's all circumstantial, right? I mean, at this point. Doug, this is the perfect patsy. His background of being a child abuser, daughter committed suicide, disturbance of the peace, loner, radicalized, this is a guy who's the perfect patsy because you have the fail-safe excuses. It's just like when the CIA created the false identity for um, for Lee Harvey Oswald, had him pass out those flyers in front of the headquarters, the secret headquarters for the Bay of Pigs operations at 545 Camp Street, creating the profile. He was a radical supporter of Castro. This is the same kind of MO here, not the same exact facts, but creating an, a, a fallback Persona that you can go back to and say, the guy was just the lone nut assassin. How many times are we going to believe the lone nut assassin story? That's true. And, and you've, uh, folks, go to the commonsenseshow.com. Great article on this and other related peripheral issues. But, you know, it, it's always that, that lone nut, isn't it, when it comes to situations like this. What did you think, Dave, you said, have you, did you see the video that was taken at the scene? Um, yes. All right. Any thoughts on that video? Because, well, 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 uh, I'm afraid. I, I'm not enough of a forensic guy to really make enough of that to tell you anything. I would have right. to rely on experts. But listen, I can't blame the person taking the video. <laughs> They're holding up the camera trying to stay down and not get shot. I understand that completely. 
Right. And I probably would, if I didn't have a gun, I probably would do the same thing. Um, however, you know, when I, when I watched that video, the only thing that really kind of made me do a double take on that whole thing is that there was a time, and again, we could be just talking about nothing. I, I don't know. But there was a, there was a time when the camera panned to, it was, looked like a black SUV kind of vehicle, um, similar, I mean, I drive one like that. Um, but there were people milling around, like maybe two or three people milling around the back end of that. And they were not responding to the gunshots. In fact, one of the guys had his hands in his pockets during the, when the gun, when the, let me tell you something, I hear gunshots that close. You know, I, I ain't gonna be standing with my hands in my pockets. I'm gonna be ducking somewhere, or shooting back, preferably. But that's the only thing. I mean, that that was the only thing that kind of made me do a double take with respect to that video. It, that's just me. But it, again, it, you know, I who think knows? it's very, very astute. Of course, there are the anecdotal reports that there was uh, other shooting going on, other shooters. Um, huh. That story is okay. out there. Quick, quickly got squashed. I can't speak intelligently to that, Doug. We just don't have a lot of evidence. No, we don't. We, we I mean, don't. But but what, what the evidence is that really kind of damns the whole scenario as a false flag is the man's background, his proximity to the baseball field. I mean, there's no such thing as that high a probability of a coincidence where these congressmen just conveniently show up who are on the list. Come on. I mean, you've got to be a moron to believe this is a coincidence. If he didn't have the list, then your coincidence factor goes way down. But he had the list. Yeah, that bothers me a little bit. That list bothers me. Um, it, it reminds me, he goes to the, to the YMCA, and I'll make another Kennedy parallel here. He goes to the YMCA ahead of the event, just like Oswald took the job at the book depositories. He could be framed. It, right. To me, it's the, it, same, it's the same plot over and over and over that follows the lone nut assassin presentation that our black ops, like the CIA, have used forever and a day. And, and we, we, we call that pocket litter, by the way. Okay. We, we saw, and you, you said this, you said this as well, pocket litter. We saw it in the assassination of JFK with, with Oswald, RFK with Sirhan Sirhan. Um, this assassination attempt of uh, Scalise and others, and the fact that, uh, my goodness, this would have been a real, uh, with all the shots that that that, that rang out, I'm I'm really really surprised that there weren't more people that were hit. I'm not saying killed, but hit. Um, you know, I, you I, just got to wonder about the ballistics, and I don't know anything about that. I see. I, I know how they got around the ballistics with Oswald and. Kennedy, um, Johnson had the limousine cleaned out at Parkland Hospital and destroyed all the evidence. Um, so that's how they got around the ballistic connections. And when the head wounds didn't match up, they lost the brain. Now, going back and making a similar parallel, because I'm telling you, we're looking at the exact hey, same script with just different variables entered in. And, and guys, what I'm seeing here with this is I'd like to see the ballistics report. It would not surprise me. And I'm just speculating here. I don't have any inside information. But the shot that killed the, the, the shot that hit Scalise went through his hip. I, I'm almost wondering if that wasn't fired from an expert marksman, because this guy was someone who couldn't well, hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, he had a long gun and he couldn't hit targets. 
But why, so, uh, if that was the case, why not? Why not go for a go for a headshot then? For, go for the ultimate takedown. Why the hit? I don't know. You, you know, the good question. You bring up a really good point. But I'm just saying that to me, uh, when your most serious uh, shooting is done to the guy who would be the most visible target for the deep state, do we not agree? Take all the congressmen over there. Who was number one? Scalise, do we all agree on that point? Yep. Yep. You know, Kennedy's assassination was public. Okay, Dave, we're losing the Try to reconnect Man. again, Dave, because uh, he just completely dropped well, off there after you started that last move. sentence. Don't move. Move again. Yeah, I think I think we lost better. him. I know he was on there. Okay, don't move. We heard the word better. Yeah. Okay. Either. Don't move. Better once, better twice. Yeah. We it's good now. You you can okay. feel free to talk. Interesting, uh, very interesting analysis of this. And one more thing about the Scalise shooting. And I, I heard this, and I really want to make sure everyone knows this. And, and I'm sure, Dave, you know this. But uh, when President Trump and his wife went to visit Scalise in the, at, at MedStar, allegedly, perhaps, not, 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 okay, MedStar is perhaps where they took Seth Rich. We don't know that. We just don't know. But that looks to be the case. But forget about that for a moment. When the president and his wife went to visit uh, uh, Mr. Scalise at MedStar, he was in critical condition. I find it very interesting that in addition to Sean Spicer going with uh, the president and his wife, he brought his own personal physician, Ronnie Jackson, to visit Mr. Scalise. Why? Why? My because question. I mean, I don't. I think he knows what happened to Seth Rich. Exactly. I mean, if we follow it to its conclusion, that's a, a distinct possibility. Yep. Yep. 
that would be yep. the most logical answer. I'm not saying it's the correct answer because I don't know. But to me, that makes the most sense. Uh, exactly. A lot of a lot of public assassinations going on right now. I don't recall the guys. Do you remember in Wasserman um, Schultz's district in Florida, that federal prosecutor was looking in to voter fraud on the DNC and these emails. He surely would have come across, in my opinion, some sex trafficking emails, some emails related to Seth Rich and that murder. Um, and what happened to him? Well, they tried to say he committed suicide, but the back of his head was bashed in. That's like shooting yourself in the back and calling it suicide. And yeah, there's another a public execution. That's another public execution related to this whole genre of child sex trafficking. And it's not going to stop until we in the independent media start saying, well, how many of these dots add up to a coincidence? How many coincidences do we have to get a conspiracy? And and clearly, I've been writing about this now for six months. The Achilles heel of the deep state is child sex trafficking. People are going to kind of go home, drug trafficking, been there, heard too much, don't care. Uh, gun running, okay, that's the way of the world. But when someone thinks their kids are at risk, that's going to get John Q. Public's attention. This is why the deep state does not want child sex trafficking exposed. And if we go back in time and we look at people like Nancy Schaefer, who she and her husband were executed, former Georgia state senator, executed, and what was she CPS, Lincoln, the child sex trafficking rings. seems like we we lost connection with dave which is fine because the the audio was pretty bad there and uh thank you todd he said my, he's going to try to my eyes reconnect. are bleeding <laughs> you know we're getting emails sorry folks out there and it's something that's beyond our control yeah, but we will yeah, try to bring him yeah. back and get him uh uh ready to go on a on a solid line well, you, know, you, a, you know one thing okay let me just because we only have a minute and a half left don't people have telephones anymore? You know, the wall phones? Seriously. Come on, guys, ladies, men. Does everyone have these little bricks they walk, or these little things that they walk around with, and you know, that's it? It's funny you ask that. My landline, um, we get our, our Internet and landline through was Time Warner Cable. It switched to Spectrum now. In the in the last uh, six weeks or so, when it made that switch, uh, we had a the same number that we've always had at our home, and when it made the switch, it changed our number, and our phone has not worked since then. So I, I mean, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I I just I would feel better if you know, you know, Aunt B's got the phone in the kitchen, and you go to the kitchen and you pick it up and you sit at the kitchen table and you have a conversation. And, yeah, one of those exactly. Eric, you know, the, the, the cable that you can actually walk in the living room and sit there on the phone. Come on. <laughs> let, let's, let's go back to, uh, but everyone's got to have the cell phones and, and they talk and, and I'm not saying this about many, Dave, but, but uh, come on. How many people remember sitting there with those, those old phones and the coil cable sitting there having to untangle them because they, oh, yeah. they got so stretched out and they, they wrap up a hundred thousand times and you finally get them all unwrapped and you let it go and it, 
comes right back. Well, you just or you just hang the receiver <laughs> down and it just spins. And, yeah. But 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 honestly, and I and I do mean this uh, with the with the digital digitization. I do believe that they've gone from analog to digital for the storage purposes and for uh, computerized uh, searching purposes of metadata and keyword searches. But that's just me. What do I know? We'll be right back with Dave Hodges when we get him back off of Pluto and back into a more distant geosynchronous orbit. You're listening the to the Hagman Hagman Report. TheCommonSenseShow.com is the website. His radio show is The Common Sense Show, heard here on Global Star Radio Network, Sunday evenings, 8 to 11 p.m. It's a great show, and each and every show for the last, I don't know, almost a year now, uh, either myself or, or my father has been on in hour one, and uh, that's always a lot of fun. Dave Hodges will be back with us when we come back, so don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changepersonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. 
that means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. of the Hagman Report. We're having some fun here uh, during the break, getting a well-deserved laugh in. We have Dave Hodges back with us. He's uh, on a on a solid line this time, so we can continue with the interview without interruption, hopefully, for the rest of this segment. Dave, do we got you? Hey, guys. Um, All right. Five bars, I guess, doesn't make any difference. I was sitting under the cooler on my patio to make sure I had a clear signal. And uh, five bars, and I still lose you. So, yeah, anyway, wow. such as communications. I had a really weird deal the other day. We were, uh, Josh Coy and I were talking about bankers and some nefarious things that they do. And uh, we got cut off. We were going to do a podcast. I couldn't call him on Skype. I couldn't call him on my landline. I couldn't text him from my cell phone. And this went on for two days. All our communications between each other were blocked. So I've had Stranger, and then there was a time I was getting ready to interview Ammon Bundy right here on Global Star, and just as we were to go on, uh, both our satellites went down, our listen-by-phone went down, nothing worked, and all these systems are independent of each other. So I've been down this road before, so I don't know if this means we're hitting a a sore spot, or it just means that... uh, I better go look for a new phone. But anyway, I'm on my fax phone now to have a secure landline. So hoping we don't get any faxes to interrupt us. Uh, uh, I think this is a little better signal right now, so we can proceed. But anyway, to put a cap on what we were talking about, um, right now without... Wait a second. Wait a second. The faxes. Hang on the faxes. (laughs) Oh, wait. No, that's that's the old... uh, Bod modem. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Yeah, I remember those days. Um, yeah. So anyway, to put a cap on what we're talking about with um, the shooting of these congressmen, it's the lone nut assassin theory, in my opinion. There's too many coincidences that don't add up. I haven't seen anything resembling ballistics reports. Of course, I know that can take a while, but I want to see them uh, because that's the thing that they really have to cover up. Um, like in Kennedy's situation, he was shot with a hollow point. And they couldn't erase the hole in the brain, so they had to lose the brain. And I think we're going to see similar anomalies once the ballistics comes out. Uh, so, anyway, that's... Richard Case Nagel and the Kennedy assassination, I just want to bring this up. Um, he knew he was being set up for something really bad, so he goes into a bank, shoots a couple of... Uh, uh, before the assassination, he goes into a bank, shoots a couple of uh, shots into the ceiling, and waits to be arrested. Okay, now, um, we, the, I, I truly believe there are people out there who are part of, of, of conspiracies. He was one of them. And I think if we look if we look at some of the circumstances today in some of the cases, I think we'll find similar situations. So, Dave, I think you're right in a lot of things 
that you know their playbook doesn't change, their tactics don't really change, their their um, targets do, however. And and you said something before you broke up and broke out. This I think this is a golden thread. This pedophilia is a golden thread that links Hollywood, New York, Los Angeles, or Hollywood, Los Angeles, New York, um, and D.C. and London, all across the world. Um, that links everything together. So they they want they want to keep this uh, this in, you know away from the general public. Go ahead, sir. I, I don't. Well, no, I agree with you. Because see, as I was saying, as I was cut off, this uh, child sex trafficking is not like gun running and, and drug dealing. The public is kind of desensitized to that now, and that really won't get their ire up. But when they see kids victimized, and especially with what we know about spear cooking, uh, hunting kids for game after they've been abused sexually, and after taking their organs when they're dead, when all these things start to surface, John Q. Public is going to be so horrified that there's going to be nowhere that people connected to the deep state like Hillary Clinton can hide. They're going to be chased down the street. And this is what they don't want. This is their Achilles heel. I mean, we could pursue the uh, drug running and gun running and bring in Hezbollah, Hamas, ISIS uh, with domestic uh, groups and Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation. She's connected to all these people through HSBC Bank. But that's not going to get people all riled up. And this is why I've been calling on my colleagues now for months that we need to really tear apart the child sex trafficking, and we need to do it in unison because I'm not of the opinion that they're interested in killing all of us because that creates a whole other scandal. Yeah, plus too many cleanups on aisle six, and it's just, yeah, I get that. Um, now, one thing that people may may or may not know, they would know if they listen to your show and read your columns at thecommonsensual.com, highly recommend it, by the way, You've really made some inroads with the uh, Department of State, some some contacts, plural, one in particular at the Department of State, about this very issue. You, you want to get into that at all? Or you, you want, sure. Um, okay. I love Donald Trump, and, and I know he's not perfect, but I think the guy has a lot of courage. Uh, to him, for him to get to the primary the way he did, to stand up to all the attacks in the general election, the guy's pretty resilient, and I have a lot of respect for him. And I think overall, he's had a, a come-to-Jesus moment, and I think that his heart's in the right place. I've talked to Romero Pena, who's one of the presidential spiritual advisors, and Romero shared with me that uh, he's moved by Trump's commitment to his spirituality and returning this nation uh, you know, to basically how it was founded, which was on the Ten Commandments. That's the basis of our Constitution. And I agree with that, but I'm very frustrated with Donald Trump right now. Um, he he has stopped governing. The uh, threat of impeachment has paralyzed his presidency, and he's making a choice to give in to it. And, and, and he needs victories. And he's making a mistake. I'll, I'll make a Korean War analogy. When Douglas MacArthur took over the U.N. forces, mostly U.S., in South Korea, the North Koreans were almost ready to drive them off the whole peninsula. And rather than launch a bloody, costly frontal assault, he went around in behind the enemy and attacked him at a strategic point called Incheon and turned the course of the war. Well, this is an analogy to what Donald Trump needs to do. Donald Trump needs a deep state victory of the highest order. And right now, just what we know from Comey's revelations on Clinton's emails, there's enough to send her to prison. 
I don't care if we send her to prison on a jaywalking ticket. We need to go after her. We need to go after Lynch for obstruction of justice for her conduct on the tarmac here in Phoenix. Uh, and we need to go after Comey. He admitted to being a leaker. Okay, that's sorry. Those are multiple felonies there. And, and Trump needs to have his Inchon moment, Douglas MacArthur style, and he needs to put these people under indictment. And I don't care if you've got a, a screwy federal judge who will let him off. The other thing that he needs to do, and I wrote about this this morning, you know, and, and see, here's the thing, Doug, he won't do any of these things because I think he's afraid to be impeached. And I'm telling him right now, you're going to be impeached. Convicted is another matter, but you're going to be impeached, Mr. President. So what you need to do is also go after the immigration issue. Forget what these federal judges did. The Constitution gives you the authority to shut down all immigration. That's what he needs to do. Completely close the borders. Get will get someone's attention. That's a strike at the state. I agree. Um, he, he has all of these options available to him, and and then he can begin to go after the the State Department and and the FBI. Let me tell you what I know. I've got a long, long term um, acquaintance that works in the FBI, and this person tells me the exact same story that a person who reached out to me to a Fox News reporter that works for the State Department, and of course they're both anonymous, and they're telling me the same story. And then there's Monica Wesolowski, known to you, known to me, State Department employee, telling me the exact same story as the other three people. And here is what they're telling me. People in the State Department and the FBI have their bags packed. Their desks are cleaned out. They're just awaiting orders and Trump should be shipping them out. He should take 90% of the State Department, which are Clinton-Obama holdovers, and he needs to get rid of them in mass. Now, of course, the media is going to go crazy. He's lost his mind. Look at this Stalin type of leader we have. But you know what? It's what he needs to do. He's going to get impeached anyway. He needs to start going after the people who are going after him and who have destroyed this country. And, and I made a point today, and I agree with the Illinois governor, uh, regarding Scalise, he came out and said, America is now a banana republic. I could not agree more. We're seeing the, the assassination attempts of American congressmen on the streets of this country. This is a third world banana republic. And I'm ashamed of it. And this is what the deep state has brought us. And I elected Donald Trump to stop these things from happening. And he needs to go to the root of all this. And he needs to start governing rather than getting on Twitter and answering every little allegation. And the final thing he needs to do is to fire Mueller. In fact, I think he could bring Mueller up on charges because it's in all of the governances regarding special prosecutors and special investigators, they can have no personal relationships with people who are variables in the investigation. And Mueller and Comey were best friends, and it's well documented. And he needs to go after Mueller, he needs to fire him, and then pursue charges against him. And if he's not willing to do these things, I can't support him any longer, because he's not carrying out the mission that we elected him to do. And you're exactly right, Dave. You know, there's a lot of questions as to, you know, what's going on with Trump and the deep state. And is he, you know, some people seem to think that he is, um, he's got a strategy that he's already deployed and we'll see the result of that in a little bit. Other people, like you said, are wondering why is, 
maybe he doesn't understand the power that he has. Why has he not launched investigations into uh, clear crimes that were committed, whether it's for Lynch or for Hillary Clinton? I mean, why not reopen the email investigation, especially after the testimony they have with Comey, with him basically saying he gave him a pass, uh, you know, by saying that he didn't believe there was intent there. But any other, but anybody else could pick that investigation right up and, and not only prove the intent, but, uh, you know, continue to, to add the other crimes on top of that. And uh, many people are, are puzzled. I, I'll say this. I am happy with, uh, you know, he continues to, to push to push forward. He continues to troll the media, and he's trying to get stuff done. But there are other things that he's not doing that make you wonder, you know, what's really going on. But we also have to understand he's less than 160 days into the presidency still, um, and he's done so much in that time. 100, 150 days and a special uh, a special counsel was appointed. What the heck? He needs to fire Mueller right now. You're right, Dave. I totally. Or, or I should say he can't fire him, but he can have the DOJ fire him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Exactly. And he should be fired. Sessions should say, Mr. President, I'm going to do it. And he can just a wink and a nod and get it done. This is unconscionable that he's not governing. This Trump is too strong. Now, some people suggested to me, Dave, his family is probably at risk. Well, you know, you knew you took that risk when you became president. And secondly, make it a public issue. You get up before the cameras and you say, my family has been threatened. They're doing everything they're doing to keep me from governing. We're moving forward. You know what? You want to raise the ire of the American public? That would do it. Well, you know, I I, I think in a way, and I, I this is just my own personal opinion. I think he's using Twitter, for example, um, as an end around of the media and to speak to the public. And and people look, people might say, well, that's pretty reckless. But you know what? No one can control that. No one can. No one's controlling what he's saying via Twitter, and he, notice that he did that to Comey through Twitter, and I think that had a, just a, a, an incredible effect on. John, I were talking about this in the first segment about um, Comey's testimony. I think that that shaped in the back of Comey's mind uh, Donald Trump's tweet about. I hope there's no recording of this or whatever. Uh, no one, whatever that tweet was that suggested was suggested of a recording. That really messed with Comey's head. And I, I kinda I kinda think that that was the intent at this point. But anyway. Well you might be right, but it's time to act because he might not be the president come Labor Day if he doesn't start acting. But okay, so, so let's take that let, let's go ahead and take that to its conclusion. So, so if if that would happen we get Pence, right? So well, where are God we with Pence? Us. God okay. Help us. Mr. Why? Himself. Okay. But, and people, Look, see, people, people don't know that. Since day one. Okay. All right. Yeah, but a lot of people don't really understand what Pence all Pence is all about. Well, I don't think we need to go beyond this. He supports free trade agreements. Yep. That's okay. all I need to say. There's more. The, uh, that's that's the big thing right there. And so, if you want business as usual. Mike Pence is your guy. He's a go-along-to-get-along kind of guy. Okay. And that's fair enough. All right. Yeah. But but you're right about the fact that uh, he. I do believe that President Donald Trump needs to increase his actions more, take charge, even though it's not popular. And uh, well, I, it, I have it, another thing on Pence. You know Pence filed, uh, opened up a pack. For, oh, for 2020. 
you were saying that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have the documentation right at my hand right now, but it's on one of my articles on the website. Uh I, I linked to it. I mean it came out of mainstream publication. You think that comes right out of the uh the the never Trumpers, the G O P, you know, whispering in his ear? Or do you think there's something else going on there? You're you're at a level now that I didn't go that deep on it. What I okay. saw I was horrified by the fact that the man would even have the nerve to have a pack of his own. And that tells me that he is anticipating something happening to Trump, either impeachment or assassination. Well, I think a lot of the... the yeah, that'd be like Joe warming up my seat. For, <laughs> I think a lot of the people, you know, we talked about this on the show before, you know, Paul Ryan and other uh, Republicans seem to be, you know, waiting for something to happen. And this speaks to their lack of, of getting anything done and, and getting these laws, any, any kind of legislation, uh, substantial legislation through. Uh, many people believe that, or speculated that they were waiting for this. They, they figured that something was going to come of this Russia probe that was going to uh, unseat President Trump. But the more time that goes by, the least likely that is. So, will we see, um, you know, these people come together you know, to get stuff done? Joe, I want to respond to the Russian thing, and I have a real short response. The president can reveal classified information to whoever, whoever he chooses, whenever he chooses. He's the president. It's solely at his discretion. That is the law. They're going after him for some fictitious whatever it would be that it doesn't even have a basis in, in law. He could tell the Russians where all the nukes are buried, and we couldn't touch him legally. That's a president's purview. It just, I get so, I don't even pay attention to this stuff. I just tune it out. And, you know, why should we be surprised? Remember, Dave Hodges is a Russian operative, according to the Washington Post. You know, along with yeah. people like Mike Adams and so forth. So, you know, these people don't deal in facts. They make up the rules as they go along. They, the left has no foundational structural belief. You know, on one hand, you had a gay, the gay pride people came out and said, uh, we're opposed to ISIS, do something about ISIS. Why? Because ISIS says, we'll take gays up to the tallest building in the village and throw them off and kill them. So then what happens? LGBT comes along, tells the gay people, hey, guess what, guys? <laughs> guess what? You're Islamophobic. Yeah. These people have no foundational beliefs, guys. They have none. Zero. Nada. No, you're exactly right, and uh, it's absolutely it's mind-boggling. But I think they're you know the American people just by this, the special elections we saw the, the Georgia and South Carolina the other day, it doesn't seem to have an effect on the American people. And we saw with with Ossoff in his campaign, and this was stated in the media that you can't continue to run only on the anti-Trump message. They have proven to be very unsuccessful, and uh, many people are asking, should Pelosi step aside? Because you know what? What does she have to offer anymore? And I don't know how many people saw this, oh, but she called no, herself no. a master litigator. <laughs> oh no, uh, no, no! We need to uh, need to keep Pelosi. I agree. No, she's good for us. I agree. When that wretched old hag gets up before the camera, she validates why the conservatives are the way to go. Yeah, very much so. I think Newt Gingrich made that point on one of the uh, the news uh, rounds he did this last uh, 
yesterday or today. And yeah, it's, it's the, very the true. Uh, progressives were having a little hissy fit over over Nancy's. Uh, yeah, over Nancy. Yeah, I'll just yeah. yeah she called herself a up. master litigator today. <laughs> she's a master. Never mind. But she's not a master litigator. But Many yeah. people think she's losing it. Uh, I, I don't know, Dave. I mean, so, so th- this is all really askew. Everything is askew. By the way, common sense, the common sense show.com. Great articles, great reports, great investigative writing. Our good friend Dave Hodges. Uh, also go to his YouTube channel. Subscribe to his YouTube channel as well. Uh, in fact, uh, just got an email from someone who says, you know what? I have coffee with Dave every day. So meaning, uh, listening to your show and your updates. So there you go. Okay. Uh, I appreciate wow. that. Well, you know, one more thing's going on, guys. I wanted to get out in the open here. There's something very strange going on in Colorado. On Monday, they had a, a drill called Operation Outbreak that involved 120 hospitals in Colorado. And then two days later, yesterday, they had an all-out mass casualties drill at Hughes Field, which is the former football field for Colorado State University's football team. And so clearly, something's going on. I'm getting a lot of emails. Paul Martin of RevolutionRadio.org called my attention to this, but I've gotten a lot of emails since then, and there is massive military movement going on in Colorado right now. I'm getting pictures sent to me. People are describing the military traffic up and down I-25 corridor. Uh, Southern Wyoming people are reporting the same thing to me. So I don't know what's going on in Colorado, but uh, it makes you wonder what they know that we don't. Well, you know, we've seen a number, not that there's not something going on, but, uh, you know, we've seen, like, the urban warfare drills. We've seen those in a number of cities from Miami to Chicago to L.A., uh, New York City. And we've seen uh, these mass casualty drills in, in a number of different areas, both in Europe and in the U.S. But more so often, when they do drills like this, we see real-life situations, either that on the same days and times as the drills or... Um, you know, afterwards, not always in the same location, but somewhere else in the country. So I would agree that we need to keep a very close eye on on um, on these types of drills and, and you know keep notes of when they happen and what exactly they are, because you know more often than not these these real life scenarios show up in the in the not too distant future from these drills. Well, you remember the London bombings? I mean, sometimes these drills go right into the real thing. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> You know, and, and so it's, I'm just it's saying, just keep an eye, keep an eye there on Colorado. That 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 was interesting, but you're absolutely right about. But I tell you, I, I did not give my show the name the Common Sense Show. Long story short, a gentleman and I had uh, both been offered a radio spot in Wickenburg, Arizona. Yeah, first job for me in radio, and he wasn't able to continue because of a family illness. He's the one that thought of the name the Common Sense Show, and boy, does that ever apply today? I mean, you look at the left. There is no common sense that's going on. Like, Man, that's like take take uh, take um, uh, Stephon Curry, okay, the great basketball player for the Golden State Warriors. Um, he's he's black, and I saw him in an interview. I won't go to the White House and visit Trump after his team won the NBA championship. And and I'm just going to say it this way: I've at, randomly asked black people who I know. Uh, and I will tell you this, the better educated they are, the better answer they give. Sorry to say that, but that's what I found. But some of them will say, well, I said, well, what is it about Trump that you don't like? Well, you're white. You just couldn't understand. 
and I say, excuse me, I was a victim of uh, bus desegregation, and I had got bused 20 miles one way to school, and most of my classmates and, and my fellow athletes were black, and they became my friends, and I marched with some of them on some of their issues because they were my friends. So I said, don't give me that crap. I said, you show me racial injustice in this country on a widespread basis coming out of the Trump administration, and I will march with you. Tell me what he's done. And no one, no one can tell me what the man's done. But because they hear somewhere that if you're black or if you're any other person of color, Trump is evil. He's the devil. And we see it with Stephon Curry. I won't go visit the White House. But I bet he couldn't give me one reason why or what Trump has done to black people or to him personally. Hmm. That seems to be the case. Um, And And then we have the anti-white rhetoric in the country. This is crazy. The professor out of Texas A&M, I forget his name now, but he said white people are going to have to die for there to be equality, and this guy still has his job. There was another one, um, Dave, from Trinity College. The the professor there uh, started the let them effing die hashtag. And yeah, he yeah. actually, there's an article on Hagman Report right now. He, the, the college was closed yesterday, and the professor now has fled the state after calling white people inhuman uh, and calling, saying they all should die. But he has fled the state uh, out of fear for his life, he says. Right. Do you know, I remember when I learned about uh, Charles Manson and Helter Skelter, and he wanted to start a race war, and they would take over in the aftermath. And, and I thought, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Clearly, the guy's schizophrenic. And now I look at today's society and what's happening at places like Evergreen State College, where a liberal, a man who voted for Hillary, gets run off his own campus because he's white. And I'm right. looking at this now. It's helter-skelter come to life. It's here, guys. I mean, if you're white, there is an increasing movement to convince people to target you. Yeah, there you think is. I said that clearly enough? Uh, I, you know, and I think I think people really, uh, I, I, str- I struggle with this because I, I see people that that have this white guilt and, and can't comprehend what you just said, even though there's really no ambiguity to what you said. Uh, it's well, sad. It's sad because this is our own destruction. You know, I was a college basketball coach for ten years. of my players were black. And they're people who I still have very deep and caring relationships with. My job was to help them move to the next step of their life. And these people were eternally thankful. These people, not one of these young men that I worked with, I think, could ever think in this fashion. And and when I look at this, I'm just thinking, where, where do the people of color come from that believe this nonsense, that the white people are doing nothing but sitting around and plotting against them? We're not. I, I just want what everyone else wants. I want to be left alone by my government, have time for my family, and enjoy my life, and not have to worry about getting victimized because I'm white or because I'm heterosexual or because I'm conservative Christian. Um, I, I just want to be left alone like everybody else. And I, I, exactly. this whole mentality, though, Doug, they don't convince most of the black people. Most black people from who I talk to, they all think this is nonsense. But you do get the radical fringe. And the radical fringe, we're going to see, I think, an increasing long, hot summer where we're going to see more white people targeted by crazies, the extremists. Not the average person of color, but the extremists. 
and they're going to go after white people. And this country is going to grow increasingly unsafe, and then more white people are going to start to have animosity towards uh, people of color, and then it's going to be on. And then well, the police know. departments are caught in the middle. Guys, yeah. we got a really the, long, hot summer ahead of us. The rhetoric's there, but it's all seeming to come out of the, the this college and media entertainment atmosphere. <laughs> I don't think it resonates with any real Americans. I don't know. I mean, maybe a little bit, but but the yeah. rhetoric is enough. I agree with you, Dave, that it's very troubling to see this kind of hatred and division being injected into, I guess, a political debate, but now it's more than that. But hopefully it just stays on those fringes that we talked about. At the common it stays just rhetoric. At the Common Sense Show, Helter Skelter, only white people commit crimes, according to the State Department and mainstream media. As well as many other. Quick with the State Department, Monica Wazalowski works in the pamphlet division where they create pamphlets uh, using computer software, and the woman who runs that is uh, Saudi Arabian and Middle Eastern, obviously by background, and she will allow no discussion uh, on these pamphlets, no portrayal of child sex trafficking within the United States, and all people who perpetrate crimes cannot be of color. They have to be white, and this is what Monica has reported to me repeatedly. She's challenged it, and she's been threatened over it. So that's where that title came from. Nice. That, according to the State Department, the only people that commit crimes are white people. That's insanity. And what they're, what they're pushing us towards, in my opinion, is is civil discord, civil unrest, maybe even civil war. And it, this is when I think the deep state will make their move and come out of the shadow government and take over. This is what I think they're working towards. Dave Hodges, you've taken us to the end of this, end of this broadcast. Thank you. And uh, some very chilling, chilling information. Thank you, my friend. Really yeah, guys, appreciate your time with us. All right, you too, Dave. That'll do it for us tonight. Stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you.